0: Love Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go with the main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, in attendance, boxing Band, joining us around the
1: world. It's time for the value of we'll be waiting for, finally, it's the, the showtime. Hey, man, we dedicate our lives to this sport. We, give, we to up the camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the one to take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tape. We we, we you know we attitude, we mooting and we go that bike, to land on the to land on the line. Rope and Dove Radio Podcast. I am your host, Chris Carlson. We are live on a Tuesday, or Wednesday, what am I thinking? Wednesday night, late afternoon, I guess, here in Central Time. We have a wide variety of items to get to. Obviously, we're going to talk Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Wasn't much of a two-way fight, but um, still, I mean, anytime you can have that No, what is it, 94,000 people in a stadium? Uh, You got to love it. You got to love it. Uh, Dillian White waited all that long. And, uh, you know, I like his resume over the last chunk of years. I know a lot of people are kind of up and down about him. Um, Sure, he's come in, you know, not in great shape in some of those fights. But he's fought fought a solid, solid line of fights for the most part um but yeah and i'm not even saying it was some sort of non-effort or anything like that the styles didn't match up i'm not sure poffing like uh what what are we doing here but either way um i know he was he's making some excuses now about his head hit the canvas uh off the push um we'll talk a little bit about that we'll talk a little bit about that and then obviously this weekend we have two major fight cards stevenson and valdez and serrano and taylor on both coasts really looking forward to these fights obviously uh the fight in msg sounds like there's going to be a big big crowd there um that's more of a 50 50 on paper well it basically is a 50 50 on paper uh compared to the, the valdez stevenson but don't let you know the odds fool you all the way um there are some other you know items that we'll touch upon as far as current fight news and all that good stuff. We do have senior writer from BoxingScene.com, Jake Donovan, coming on in here just a just a second. Um, we got well, you know, we we'll have a little bit of the MTK fallout. You know, where where do the boxers go? Whether they were with MTK Global that you know shut down since the last time we spoke. Um, and then whatever Kinahan advised, and how many you know deals he negotiated, or, or what played a, a fairly big role. Um, Joe Joyce and Parker Saint Joseph Parker sounds like they're going to fight uh, the deal. I, I think is is really close. So there's a variety of stuff that we'll get to. If this is your first time listening to the Ropa Dope Radio Podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash ropeadope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and ropeadope and download the show there or, you know, listen to the browser. You can find the platform on Apple Podcast, iHeart Radio, Player FM, uh, Amazon Music, Spricker, TuneIn, uh, Google Podcast. We're also part of the grueling True Sports Podcast Network. One more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you're happy, not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts, no hidden fees. If you upgraded the choice or ultimate package, that gives you three free months of HBO Max, which has been on fire lately, by the way. Plus, you're good to enjoy regional sports networks without the additional fee, which is becoming harder and harder. And if you go to the Premier package, that gives you HBO Max and Showtime already included. If you didn't take advantage of that Showtime deal that they gave right before the Spence-Ugas fight, on this platform, it is $11. That's direct TV stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in senior writer Jake Donovan back to the show. It's been a little while. It's going to be good to hear from him. How you doing, Jake? What's going on, man? You've had a, a busy day thus far, it seems.
2: Hey, Chris. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. It has been a while. Um, I'm trying to say, I don't know if this is the first show I've been on this year. so. But if not, it's definitely been, it's been too long. So thanks for having me back. And uh, yes, very long day, but in a, in a very, very good way.
1: Give me a nutshell of your day. Seems like you're very active in NYC. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, I landed at a- just before midnight last night, got my luggage and my good friend, Broadway Joel, came and picked me up. Uh, didn't have to do it but out of the kindness of his heart yes, Said, come on. So gave me a quick tour of the city, dropped me off. Um, I was so tired last night that I couldn't sleep. So I finally <laughs> closed my eyes, I think around 3 a.m. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's about 6 a.m. My wife called and uh, I said, you know what? Let me just go enjoy my old city. Uh, kind of roamed around for a bit, interviewed Eddie Hearn around 1030. Headed over to the media workout and ran into a whole bunch of people. Uh, you know, some people I haven't seen in a while, some people I never met and was kind of surprised. they knew who I am. So yeah, all in all, it was a very, very good day. Uh, a lot of fighters, you know, that are going to be on Saturday show. were working out. So Sky Nicholson, um, someone, I actually had the privilege of covering her pro debut. Now I'm covering her third fight less than two months later. Um, she opened up the workout. Plenty of other talent. Galalia five, who won the uh, gold medal last year for great Britain. Now he's two fights into his pro career. Um, Already fighting 10-round fights and for titles. And then uh, two undisputed championship fights on this card. Franchone uh, Cruz de Zern is fighting. Um, I'm going to mess up her name. I keep doing it. Aline, uh Citerus. That's, that's what I'm going with. But for the undisputed Super middleweight championship. And then the big one, Katie Taylor and uh, Amanda Serrano. So massive, massive buzz in this town. Um, I, I got off the plane like I already saw, you know, engagement there. Just when you hit the city, the the fight is all over the place. Um there's just a different kind of energy for this fight. It you know, it could sound like hyperbole all at once, but a lot a lot of people were talking about this fight. So it's a great boxing weekend. I love that for those who are gonna be at home, they don't have to miss either main event. That they're gonna to get to see Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano and then it's an hour or so later they're gonna see Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson. That is the way it should be. I'm so glad that ESPN and the zone were able to work that out to avoid those two events, uh main events overlapping. Those are uh, ringside, you know, we're kind of on our own. Um, you know, maybe have the fine, have uh Valdez Dixon mm. on my phone while I'm at the post right press conference. But but this is definitely a, a a great thing for boxing fans this weekend. This is you know, um the the phrase that's been thrown around in the industry lately, you know, it's just an embarrassment of riches that, you know, all this boxing and we finally mm. get to enjoy it without trying to figure out
1: which fight we want to watch.
2: So I love it.
1: That's key. You're right. The fact that they're at different times and they went out of their way to do it, obviously, yes. you know, there's the UK and Ireland and all that of interest in this fight. So you might want to go really just for that reason in general, but it really does line up because we see so much of it, uh, you know, yeah. with all these output deals, they got a lot of fights to put on. So, yes. you know, sometimes it's frustrating with three cards on one night, but you know they don't go out of their way to try to do that, but yeah, that right. that is nice. Really quick, real yeah. quick. though. The other thing, I'm sorry, let another... me interrupt you. Go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. One no, thing I do want to point out too is I know Jake Paul. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and I admit when these YouTubers first came into the sport, I'm like, where the hell are we going with this? But Jake Paul, <laughs> of all people, he went out of his way all week to tweet. You know, this is what's going on with um, Amanda Serrano. This, you know, even promoting Katie Taylor, obviously, and then you know, building up for yeah. Stevenson. I know he had that conversation with James Prince, um, Chico Stevenson's manager about, you know, what they can do to make sure we get to see the best of both worlds. So he's going out of his way to promote both fights, even though he's literally invested in weekend's fight with, uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Toronto. So props to Jake Paul and our uh, most valuable promotions for doing that.
1: No doubt, man, he's making waves and I, I don't really have a problem with him at all. Besides that tweet yesterday, uh, about the whole Twitter exchange, as far as, uh, who just bought Twitter and what he thinks is going on. That one I may go, now, hold on, but that's a different subject. <laughs> that's not in the ring, so we're not going <laughs> to address that here.
0: But that's just yeah. some
1: other ignorant stuff. But, hey, we could we could point that out all day. Um, real quick, yeah. though, you know, from one stadium fight to another, like you said, boxing mm-hmm. is, is in the groove. Uh, Tyson Fury yeah. does it again. against, against Deilian White in front of a record crowd, and not just a boxing record crowd, a record crowd from from the rounds right. of its sporting event in general. What'd you think of the, the d- display that was at hand? Even though it wasn't, you know, pretty much a one sided fight.
2: Um, I, man, I I still don't know what to think of that. I will say that became a far bigger event than I envisioned. I thought that was just going to be like a big deal in the UK, Agreed. and maybe was yep. you know it could have been, you know such a fight like of that magnitude would have been bigger in the United States. But there was a lot of engagement. I mean, maybe it's just because we're boxing fans and we see it, but like that fight just flooded my Twitter feed all through Saturday. And it was a lot of people even after, you know, it happened, a lot of people just Oh my God, did yeah. you see that up like a lot of people I know who don't really watch boxing went out of way to watch that fight. I don't know if they paid for it or they stole it, but all I know is right. a lot of people were talking about that fight during the fight and after the fight. So there was far more interest in it than a lot of people like to give it credit for. <sighs> Up until that <laughs> uppercut landed, like we got that old. Oh, it was shit the moment. push. That, Jay. that,
3: Jay, you that, know that it was right, the uppercut. Push.
2: Hey, now I will say I did put him. Out, I had to put him out because it was a blatant two-handed push. You, you had oh, it yeah. to say, but the push did not no knock doubt. out Dillian White. That uppercut did the damage. Um, that on the call he's car, lucky he was, got pushed. Because
1: he would have just uh, yeah. been lingering
2: in the wind. A lot of people, exactly. Yeah, so he absolutely had no business um, continuing okay. after that. So, Mark Lyson, shout out to him. He did a terrific job, roughly, in that fight. That was uh, th- that was an obvious stoppage. Up um, until that uppercut, it wasn't a spectacular fight. And the undercard, left, I mean, that was oh, – I, I wasn't a big bad. fan of the Errol Spence, Jordanis Ugas undercard. I mean, the, the Amantastani Onis, uh, Raza Butayo fight was fantastic. Sure, yeah. I, I didn't care whether it was on the pay per view or on the Showtime card. That was a terrific fight, but the undercard for that show was a bunch of A side guys versus you know guys at the wrong end of the, their career. You kind of hope that Jose Sipa Lopez had you know a little bit more left, and then you know maybe right. you know one of the other two fights would be more competitive. But it was still strong A sides they- versus guys at the end of their career. This undercard had no shot, and it still managed. It was awful. It was so bad. Like I was just. I, Forget it. I'm not going to go there. All I'm going to say is I didn't have to report on the other <laughs> I'm glad. It was terrible. That was, you know, I, I'm glad that Tyson Fury did end the fight the way he did, because that gave us something positive to talk about. Yes, You know, given everything that surrounded that event, and rightfully so, his direct link to Daniel Kinahan and, like, the U.S. sanctions that came down that just created this dark cloud over the over the – You know the fight is for good reason. You know, in the end, we just realized as boxing fans, this is the ending that we needed. Tyson Fury gave us that you know terrific you know knockout finish. He's the premier heavyweight champion of of this um, you know of his time, so he he deserves his credit for that. I I, I'm not ready to believe that he's going to retire, nor do I believe he should. I mean, he doesn't have any mandatory obligations. Why not wait out to see what happens with Anthony Joshua and um, Alexander Usyk? I, I, I don't want to see him as hard yet. I feel like, you know, we finally have a path to getting that, you know, undisputed heavyweight championship, even if the belts get broken up after that. So, I think at least stick around for that and then call it a career. So.
1: Yeah, I agree. It, it, it would be nice. Like, I'm not going to hold yes. him too much to I, the fire if he doesn't, but I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I would – Right.
2: Other people brought it up, too. Like,
1: you know, other writers are getting
2: criticized for kind of telling Tyson Fury. You know, he can do whatever the hell he wants, and none of us can really say anything. It's like, if he feels like he's accomplished enough in his career, you know what? He technically has three wins over Deontay Wilder. It's, you know, officially 2-0-1, but most people have him going 3-0 of that series. Plus, he beat Vladimir Klitschko. That's four wins better than just about any other heavyweight can claim in the 21st century. And then add, you know, a win over a top five contender or a top five heavyweight in Dillian White. Look, he he's had a hell of a career. It's brought a lot of controversy with it, but you know, in the ring, he is he's unbeatable. And um, in the ring, you know, I I don't know any other yeah. heavyweight that beats him right now. So you know, if he feels like I you know agree. what, these guys can't beat me, I'm going to walk away. You know, God bless more power to him.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so let's talk about this MTK Global stuff and just yes. the Kinahan advice because it is a variety of both. As far as negotiating fights and advising and whatever, what becomes? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to get into the the, the jargon, the, the you know, the legal stuff because that's <laughs> already been well documented on and a couple of other places. Done, you guys done normally, like normal, a great job of covering it Thank straight you. up. But yeah. um, what becomes of this? Because I remember when, you know, I do remember when some. Uh, <laughs> Some somewhat high-profile guys, uh, not on boxing scene, I will not mm-hmm. name them, but they, they would say, like, what what's going to become of all these Haman fighters because there's a Ponzi scheme going on and all that stuff with the investment right. money and all that. And, you know, if something were to happen, sure, that is a good question. What does become of it? Well, here we are. Um, yeah, of course. What becomes of all these fighters, and does this affect fights getting made just based off money? Yeah, or that, that's exactly that of- right.
2: It's an excellent question. Um, that point was already being raised because um, people pointed out that Top Rank just announced their May 21st show. And that has Danny Dignam, who is or was an MTK fighter. You know, they're obviously holding up shots, so he won't be after April 30th. But Danny Dignam was an MTK fighter at the time. His fight with uh, Janabek uh, was signed, and he's also with Pro Bellum. So they're like, well, you know, what's going on? Top Rank said they're not doing any fights with, you know, fighters tied to Daniel Kinahan. The... I'll try to give as brief an answer as possible although providing context um the fight was running on the books it's a wbo ordered fight you know espn agreed to it top rank agreed to carry it um well they won the first bid so that's why they're, they you know they're moving forward with the fight so it's a kind of contractually bound fight so that's why that fight is happening it really wouldn't be fair to danny dignum to tell him he can't fight and especially not fair to john Beck to say hey you have to walk away from this fight even though it's probably going to cost you you know, he's the mandatory contender, and he'd be walking away from a title shot, essentially, if he didn't proceed with the fight. So the short answer is that that fight's on the books, so that's why they're moving forward. But other fights, and especially, you know, with all these links that we're seeing that potentially ties, I'm um, being generous and saying potentially ties pro bellum to, you know, Kinahan and, you know, these U.S. sanctions. Right. It, that, a lot of people, they are looking at that. That is now being strongly vetted. So Probellum has some very strong questions to answer. You know, Richard Schaefer might just have to go right back to being Ringstar, you know, sports or ring star promotions or whatever it was, you know, with his fighters yeah. in order for those guys to get those opportunities. Um, there was a fight that was announced involving Bakadir Jalalov, Jalalov, the uh, Olympic gold medalist oh. and unbeaten you know, heavyweight every win by knockout. Um, it, it's the venue actually announced the fight, but the network hasn't, um, I'm not going to speak for the network, but I have, that has to be explored as well. Cause you know, he's, he's a developed fighter, but the Bella took, took a lot of his guys to Probellum, not all of them, but Jalalov was among those who did sign with Probellum. So that has to be properly vetted as well. So th- there's, there are a lot of questions being asked now, as far as the MTK guys, um, some of them like Liam Smith is on this card this weekend. He's fighting Jesse Vargas on the uh, uh, Taylor Serrano undercard. He's already with matchroom. So that's an easy transition. There's no more middleman. He's just a matchroom fighter. So a lot of those guys like top rank is claiming that Josh Taylor is, you know, just with top rank, um, Tyson Fury is types, uh, top rank and Queensberry. So, you know, they feel like that's, you know, the easy solution, you know, whoever was with MTK is no longer involved. That. That has to be flushed out too, though. We need to see proof that, you know, that is the case. But sure. so a lot of those guys that who are, who were with MTK and with a promoter, the easy fix is they're just going to go to a promoter. The same is being done with, you know, fighters in um, Mexico and England and, you know, a few other places. But there's probably still a good, I'm going to ballpark and say 100, maybe 150 fighters that are going to have to find a home, especially the guys who either were just with MTK and fighting on these MTK fight night shows or, the MTK fighters who signed with Pro Bellum, they're, right, you know, it, it, they're gonna need you know some other representation at, at, at this point. Either that, or you know, the, the people who are running Pro Bellum are really gonna have to convince, especially you know, the U.S. government and um, here in the states, yeah. Ireland, and Dubai. There's a lot of, I mean, this is a global investigation in, into you know this this crime family. So they're, they're really gonna have to convince you know higher th- authorities far beyond boxing that they're not involved. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of people in boxing who just aren't going to touch him. So, and I do believe that, you know, for them, they are, they are feeling it. So, you know, they're not, it's not as quick to, you know, make these fights happen. There's some that are already on the books. Maybe they feel like they're committed to move forward, but there's not a lot of new business to be made moving forward. And so they can really, you know, answer these hard questions. And it's not just a matter of, oh, no, we, you know, we had no idea that Ken was involved. We're not involved with him. If the U.S. Sure. government, you know, is, is
1: looking into this.
2: Chances are they already have your name on the file somewhere on their desk. So they're the ones you need to convince, not us.
1: Yes, well said. And I, I just – I'm still wondering if there's going to be a fallout financially for some of these fights that were made um, and if those finances are still going to be here. But that's, that's in the
2: future. Yes, don't no, know. That,
3: that is you know that a mean? huge, that's huge.
2: Well, Because these guys – right, they're obviously signing with them because this big pile of cash was on the table. It's like you, you're right. going to make far more money with them than you know, just – Taking some random deal with another from order. so that that is a very fair question to ask. I'm curious to see, you know, a lot of these guys who even felt like, you know, loyal to, you know, even turning a yeah. blind eye to who Daniel Canahan is, according to, you know, accusations made by all these, you know, governing authorities, um, guys who just felt like, you know, he did what he did to help rescue them from where they were in life to become the boxers that they are. Maybe they're just sad. Uh-huh. They'll become sour with the sport, and you know, like, screw it. I, I made whatever money I made, and, and they're just going to walk away all together. So, yeah, th- this is far from over. It's not, you know, okay. The U.S. plays sanctions on them. You know, that's it. Daniel hands out the game. There's, there's still a lot of work to be done. Still yeah, we're going to see who flushed
1: out. We're going to see who was reliant on that and who wasn't. Period. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I know you, you're busy man, of course. So I, I'll get you out of here in a second. Last time, yeah, you're right. You're right, Jake. You were only actually on once, and that was right after. Pretty, I think it was right after Bam's performance,
0: because yeah, that is right. the
1: one yeah. that you said. I, I, I like to say, what's your favorite moment of the year? And at that time, you had mentioned yeah. that. Now we got a few more months uh, under our belt. We had like the mm-hmm. Boudoura Lubin. We had a, you know, the big Spence Ugas, where it had some drama in there. You know, we just we've had a variety of fights now. What's your favorite yeah. moment here in the last few months, Jake?
2: Ah, oh, man. It's like, I know, you just said it. It's like there's been so many to choose from. Um, I even feel bad saying, like, just watching Lee Wood come back the way he did to knock out, knock mm. out Michael Conlon, just because of the way... Very like, we, dramatic. At that moment, including Lee Wood, all of us were concerned for, like, Michael Conlon's health at that moment. It's Like, he felt mm. awful, like, you know, celibate. Like, oh, my God, what a fight. But that fight was just ridiculous. And then, you know, Lubin and Fondora Somehow, it, all of us had that tag. It's like, this is a fight of the year contender. It's at no worse than 1A with Wood Conlon for, you know, fight of the year. That that was an amazing fight. Just to watch, you know, Lubin go down early, then just, you know, get this, you know, his face get disfigured, come back, you know, force the first knockdown in Fandora's career, then Fandora, you know, just do what he did to, to force that stoppage. I mean... That that's what, I mean That was on a night where like so much was going on. I was ringside for, you know, Ryan Garcia's uh ring return. It was like I think hey. it was one of those things it's like, Are you really a boxer if you didn't have a fight scheduled on April ninth? There were so many <laughs> yeah, different yeah. shows. But it was just so amazing that that fight could just stand out from from the rest. So um it, I I'm still stuck on Bam. It's like just you know, Bam winning the title on six days notice and then yesterday. And then now. Finally, yeah, they yeah. just announced this is like a fight junkies card that's coming up on June 25th. You mm-hmm. got, um, you know, Bam uh, fighting so rugby say you know, his mandatory challenger. Um, Julio Cesar Martinez always the entertaining. Yeah, that, that's, you know, unfortunately, that, I mean, that was just a ridiculous two-round fight they had, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it ended on a cut. So they got to do it again. MJ fighting Ronnie Rios, Jessica McCaskill, the Undisputed Walkaway Champion. She's going to be on that show. I mean, that is just... And I love that they're putting it in a smaller venue in San Antonio. They're not putting in a, you know, 60, 70,000 seat arena and curtain it off to only, you know, have like three, 400 hands. You know, it's an intimate, I believe it's a 4,000, maybe 5,000 top seat arena. And I, I think Bam's going to fill it. There was a huge reaction when he and Joshua Franco both, you know, participated in fight week for uh, when Ryan Garcia was in town. So, you know, San Antonio, they actually had a huge homecoming. I'm sorry. When at, right after Bam won the title, they had like a, a meet and greet. And there was a line all the way down the block, you know, just you know, for people to just want to be near the two of them. So San Antonio has really embraced those two. So I think they're really going to turn out um, for that show on June 25th. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, your favorite moments invo- involving Dan Rodriguez, because he's one of those guys that everyone in the sport seems to love. I've never seen anyone say anything bad about him, even his opponents. And Chocolatito is right there with yeah. him. I was ringside when Chocolatito beat, you know, the way he beat Julio Cesar Martinez, I know Martinez went through all that stuff with, you know, struggling to make weight, then he finally made it. But, I mean, that was supposed to be a legit test for uh, Chocolatito, and he made it look so easy. And, uh, again, he's one of those guys, he's like your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. So, anytime right. you see guys like that, you know, succeed, it's like you root for them. Errol Spence, you know, just what he was able to do against Sir Dennis Ugas. Right. I, I've argued that's his best performance since he beat Chel Brook to win the t- uh, his first title. I agree. So he's, there's no question that he is all the way back and you know I've always said he is the best to welterweight in the world. You can make the argument that Terence Crawford belongs higher on him pound for pound. I don't believe that exists anymore.
1: And it's time to see it. Now is the time to see it. Yeah, and that's there's the good no news is that he has.
2: the two of them. Yeah, the two of them are so passionately finally talking about it after years of you know mm. you're on the wrong side of the street and you know we're not going to do business right. with you and vice versa. Now they're both talking about it. PBC is big on the fight. And I've said this um, in other domains. The thing I love about a fight like this, like especially if Terrence Crawford joins PBC, nego- there's no more negotiations. It just becomes a point where Al Heyman makes that exactly. phone call and says, okay, you two are fighting each other. This is when you're fighting. This is when you're getting paid. And they going to go, okay, great. And that's it, right? Well, that's, you know, any, you know, drawn-out negotiations is, is out the window at that point. So. Yeah. I, that, and what
1: that both will, can do, I mean, if crop, yeah. good. No, I was
2: gonna say that will become the standout. Mo- like when you ask me what was the best moment, that will become the standout moment of the year in a year where we're getting, you know, people keep tweeting. It's like here's all the fights that are coming up. You can't even fit it yeah. in one tweet anymore, right? It's just so many good fights, and for
1: meaning that, too.
2: Yeah. So I, again, you know, a lot of people, you don't want to get your hopes up because boxing does let us down, but. I, it does feel like we're at a point where like the fights that have to happen are happening, and that one would just be the absolute cherry on top.
1: Yeah, and if Crawford does sign, even if it's a short deal, I mean, yeah, you could have the rematch, you could have a Thurman fight, he could do damage right. at 54, it'd be a great way, no matter what happens in the fight, for, for Crawford and Spence to finish their career, plenty of fights for both of them at 47 and 54, you know?
2: Absolutely, yeah. To me, I mean, that would be like Errol Spencer's last piece of business at 147, assuming they do fight and it Mm -hmm. it happens you know, for all the kids at 147. That would be it. I I see him then moving up to 54. And I've always said, like, with him, Jamel, and Jamal, it's going to be a chain reaction. One of them, eventually, when one moves up, the rest are going to follow. So maybe it's going to be Errol, if he beats Terrence Crawford, or even if he loses, decides, okay, now I'm going 154. Then Jamal says, all right, now I'm going to go get a belt at 160. Jamal go chases the money at 168 so yeah some exactly. kind of change yeah it does gonna, you know, like they gear, got back in so. it yeah, no but that's it's funny I mean, one know, more you thing you want to see undisputed champs but I'm sorry you want to see undisputed champs but that's like the beauty of it it's like once we see it's those true. best fights happen then you kind of want to see it restart and then see who can become you exactly. know who, who can carry the torch after that so that creates more excitement for the sport
1: and sometimes in the best fighter like Crawford leaves the division all of a sudden you're like hey This thing's wide open again. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like at 140, exactly what happened there. Um, It's funny. I just remembered this, Jake. The last time you were on, I thought it was going to be the 2nd April, and that turned out to be from Dora Lubin, that they were going to do the Mm -hmm. card here in Minneapolis. And I had a damn prior engagement, so I couldn't Mm -hmm. make the card. But I want to apologize for – Feeling like a colder, windier Chicago when you were up here. This spring oh. has been horrible, Jake. It's still bad. It's—I mean, yeah. if you look at the phone. It's like high of fifties the whole week. Um, right. But how did you? I mean, I know the weather was bad. It's going to be a lot better in June. But how, how did you? Did you get a feel for it at least, the city? I, I mean,
2: I, I got, well, yeah, it's, I, I think I found unique. I mean, the, what I love about Minneapolis, Minneapolis is just being, actually being able to shop even in the, you know, that weather. It's like, I tried to walk as much as I could, but it was like, it gets a It's like, all right, yeah. it's 18 degrees. I'm somehow walking into the wind, no matter what direction <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> so just take, you know, making use of like, you know, all the, you know, the, I guess, whatever the ramps the tunnels that, you know, connect to all the buildings, you know, yeah, to yeah. be able to get yeah. to. I definitely oh. took advantage of that, so. Um, It was cool, you know, finally getting a cover show with the Armory. I will, I I have to say this. If there were 100 people there who even knew who Tim Zoo was, I would, I'd be surprised. So I'm not questioning that Minneapolis is a fight town. But just like being there, it's like, I like people constantly coming up to me, Um, you know when this is going to be over? I'm like, it's when they stop throwing <laughs> punches. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Right. But I just didn't get a sense, like, especially with no local guys on the card, I didn't get the sense that anyone was there really, you know, invested in any particular fighter on the show other than, you know, kind of being told, hey, there's a fight card here tonight. So I
1: do think... Yeah, believe they want to have a good June, night.
2: Yes. So I believe June 4th will be, we're truly going to get that armory experience with um, Stephen Fulton and Danny Roman, and then, of course, David Morell in the... You know, well, right. in the call feature, to me, he's the, he's the guy that's going to be selling tickets. So that's going to be more of like, then we're going to see the Minneapolis fight town that I keep hearing about, you know, that cool vibe that you get at the armory. So, but I was glad I did, you know, get to cover that show. I'm looking forward to cover that one in June as well. So,
1: And the venue itself is just made for boxing. It's just like, this is perfect. Yeah. It's so close. There's not a bad seat.
2: No. Nah.
1: All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate yeah. you fitting me in today.
2: Uh, enjoy your weekend, man. Take it easy. Uh, definitely, yeah. Chris, thanks so much for having me on. And it can't be another you know three months that we go by without doing the show. So anytime you want exactly. me back on, just feel free to let me know.
1: Yes, sir. All right, buddy. You take it All easy. Right. You as well. Thank you. Yep. All right, everyone. You know him, Jake Donovan, senior writer, BoxingScene.com dot com. He's uh, he's one of the great ones. I'm not even going to say one of the good ones. He's one of the great ones out there. We need more like him. In general. I say it every time he comes on. Um, but yeah, my city did his did him wrong. (laughs) It was so cold when you when they were up here, all these people are up here. Um but yeah, I'm looking forward to that June card, no doubt about it. Anyway, real quick, like um just looking at that Fury fight. You know, Fury first of all, the Southpaw stance is like, huh? And and you know, he did to Dillion's credit but uh you know he did switch second round right back to work but funny enough although we've seen this from time to time out of fury uh him you know switching right to southpaw uh at the beginning of the second but he, he didn't spend much time there um white was missing wild shots he was landing his right hand to the body for the most part uh whereas fury you know had his jab going was was pivoting with that jab Uh, even in the first round, he landed like four or five nice right hands. Uh, he managed to kind of get some short left hooks in there instead of it being a jab and pivot. He was just doing his thing, you know, that little check hook and then a right to the body later. Like he was just doing his thing and white basically his best punches were to the body. Most of it was the right hand. Otherwise he was missing really badly. Uh, the fourth round. I think, was that the round, or was it the third round that White uh, had a cut on his right eye? Um, by the third and fourth round, though, it was getting kind of ugly on the inside. No big surprise there, though. Um, but they were tying up a lot. Not a whole lot of... There was some uh, freehand punching, but not as much as probably Dillian White should have done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Fury just, in in a in a in a way dominated, you know what I mean? Now that a lot of people think, oh, dominant, like he just, you know, was beating him up the whole fight. No, but he was sticking and moving. um, It just, you know, like I said, he got to the body as well later. Well, I shouldn't say later in the fight because it didn't go that late, but even in the fifth round, that right hand to the body, um, and just making Dillian miss, and then it was that uppercut. And, yes, there was a two-hand push, but that didn't, you know, Like I said uh, to Jake, that probably, you know, saved him because he was sitting there kind of dizzy on his feet. One more punch would have knocked him out, out. Maybe he would have been concussed. Maybe he would have gotten further damage. So, but when you see him, he does get put boxing. It's not the craziest thing, but for him to say, I want the rematch. First of all, I was right in the fight, which you really weren't. Um, and second of all, to say that your head hit the canvas, he does know that there's, there's video of this, right? I mean, you could clearly see his shoulders hit first. I'm not saying the canvas, like he didn't hit, hit it at all, but if you watch boxing enough, if you watch sports in general, especially football or I'm um, sure rugby and whatnot too, you could
0: see when a, a,
1: a head causes that impact that actually is worse than the blow they originally took. You see it all the time in both sports. So to me, that was just a cop out. And you know, I had plenty to say about the excuses after fight two that Wilder was making. So did everybody else, of course. But for Dillian White went out of his way to make fun of uh, the excuses. And so to come back and be like, uh, the the push is what got me. I was, because he was talking about, for him to be like, oh, uh, you know, I was, I mean, I got hit, and he hit me clean, but I was recouping. It's like, dude, you would have been just wobbling right in front of him, you know? So, to me, it's just a complete cop-out excuse it happens. This is what he said on Sky Sports. When the uppercut landed, I was buzzed, but he full-on pushed me. I fell over and hit my head on the canvas, which is illegal. But as usual, they let Tyson Fury do what he wants and get away with it. I should have been allowed extra time to recover. And, and like I said, come on, dude. Like, that's just nonsense. Like, yeah, he pushed you, but you can't sit there and say – a lot of times, in the, you know, it's it's the head that hits first. Sometimes you'll land kind of going down on your back, like straight back, and then bam, the biggest impact is your head. That did not happen, dude. And and look at his body and in, in just his whole demeanor. Maybe demeanor is the wrong way to put it, but look at – the way he falls like in the air when he's going back not when he hits the ground because when he you know he doesn't hit his head hard if at all but it's the way what his body's doing where you're just like dude it it seemed like you were out going down so had you not been pushed like i said you would have just been lingering in the wind and he could have landed another uppercut or whatever the hell he wanted at that point and you would have been probably dusted out so that's nonsense. That's bullshit. I'm not calling for his retirement or anything like that, but come on. Just stop making those silly excuses. Especially when you were one of those that, you know, loved the dog, you know, rightfully so. Wilder they for his excuse. Don't turn right around and make a dumb excuse. Um, so, yeah, Tyson can do whatever he wants. Um, you know, after, we always kind of turn into, well, he's the best of, all time he's this generation's best fighter obviously well um best heavyweight i should say but uh, that that just hands down um but i think we should slow down on the goat stuff the all time because to me his resume's not good enough but you know the talk is different if we're just talking fantasy matchup i get that part because he's 69 he's got the long reach He can box really well. He can pivot really well. He's got a great jab. He's got really solid defense. Um, He can rough you up. He can fight right there in front of you. He can take a hell of a shot, as we've seen, and keep kicking. So from a fantasy standpoint of a fight that will never happen, if you match him up with Ali or this guy or that guy, I understand that. Like, could he be pretty much – I shouldn't. I hate to use the word unbeatable ever, but I understand that just because of the optics of the dude's got reach, he can go in and out, fight at range. You know what I mean? So the fantasy matchup, I can sit there and say, sure, I, I understand that. You know, I think you know Vlad's run, or uh, yeah, Vladimir Klitschko's run, was more impressive as far as the number of you know, fights he fought being the champion in the length. And even like uh, Wilder, right, he, he did more uh, title defenses. But overall, beating Klitschko, beating Wilder, and now beating, um, you know, White, and there are some other solid names in there, uh, but not much. So I think the resume, now if he beat Usyk and then beat AJ, you know, that would pretty much clear out everything. And I think he can beat those guys. But to me, I just, when we're talking about greatest all time, you have to add the resume in there. If you want to make it a fantasy thing, the most difficult style to face or something like that, sure. I'm much more willing to say that. But the greatest of all time does have to include your resume at any weight class. But the, the GOAT of heavyweight all time, I disagree with that. And it's funny, there's a lot I don't know the percentage of course, but there is a kind of a kind of a high percentage, I think too high of a percentage, that'll call him that'll say, you know, this type of stuff, but then say, Well, Usyk he hasn't fought a fighter like Usyk. And they and I'm not saying all, but a fair fair amount of people think that Usyk can really challenge stylistically Fury. But then some of those same people call him the goat so it's like well hold on if you think Usyk trust me on this if you think Usyk can really challenge and be super competitive with Fury then so can Ali and Larry Holmes like for example who both have great jabs and and, and different fighters but that's my point if you think if you have to see Usyk or Fury you know his, his uh his resume or or his career won't be complete that's that's you I don't need that I would like it now I got to give AJ a shot to win the rematch and maybe that's a trilogy I don't know but um my point is anyone out there saying Usyk can fight you know right there with him he can challenge him he can he can compete with him he may have a shot to beat him well I guarantee you You can't have it both ways there. Um, I hope he does, though. I would like to see a different style matchup there. But he doesn't really have to do much as far as the uh, Nganyu, I think his name is, the boxer MMA matchup. If he goes and does that, you know, more power to him. I think it's an interesting fight for some people. I'm not big on it, but I understand why he, you know, he he would do that fight. It is going to. I think it'll get a lot of attention. I don't see it being this major blockbuster they're talking about. And I understand, you know, um, some folks in the media or even, of course, the promoters, you know, they're going to say it'll break records and and whatnot. But anyone claiming that it even comes close to Mayweather and McGregor is just silly. They're just biased and silly. There's just no... Fury's not even a pay-per-view guy, really. He's done solid numbers with uh, Wilder the last two. Well, really, all fights were solid, no doubt about it. And I'm not trying to shortchange Wilder or Fury with those pay-per-views. But it's not on the Mayweather level. And, and, you know, in Ganyu, I think that's his name, um, you know, he he doesn't – he's not even in the stratosphere of that, let alone of McGregor. So, to me – If he does that fight, I'm not going to hold it over him. I'm not going to buy it. Um, Now, would I make some bets with casual boxing fans that love MMA? Yeah, uh, gladly. I mean, when I see this in Ganyu uh, throw punches, I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be quick, dude. He's going to have to carry him. Um, But, hey, do you? Like I said, I, I would like to see at the end of the year. Maybe he does this and then fights the winner of Usyk. Maybe it's you know I don't know. A lot of people think, oh, this fight can be made and this and that, and maybe it can. Um, but there's still some contract stuff going on, so he may have to wait it out. This is what uh this is what uh Dana White said on on it as far as uh because he'd have to work with Bob Arum obviously to make this fight.
0: If you have to work with a boxer
1: for Engano later, you'd rather work with Eddie Hearn than Al Heyman or Bob Arum. <laughs> I'm not doing jack shit with Bob Arum, um, but the other two guys I like—I like Al Heyman a lot, and, and, and I like Eddie Hearn very much. So, I mean, let's just calm down on this. Just—they're they're, going to make this fight and whatnot. Because um, it's just—it's—it's it's a big fight, relatively speaking, but it's not this major. I don't know if if. Dana doesn't want to put in some of his guys that have been on big pay-per-views with Jake. You think he's going to want to? I don't know. <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to hold it over his head, though, if he doesn't. I won't do that. I definitely won't do that. But, um, you know, we'll see. Um, anyway, that's about it. Like I said, that undercard was garbage. I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, you know that that was that was really bad. That was uh, kind of knew that going in. It is what it is. Uh, not you know the craziest. Real quick, we did t- you know since we last spoke, MTK Global did go out of business. This is from Boxing Scene. Um, you know, the company which manage or manages or advises over 100 fighters. Um, are, are going to shut, they've already shut down their website back back when this was uh, posted last, that's probably probably about six days ago or something like that. Um, and Bob Yalen announced his re- resignation from being the CEO of MTK Global. Uh, obviously, the title wave of controversy began earlier this month when the U.S. state's treasury, we reported that, um, not originally, just talked about on the show, you know, did the $5 million reward uh, for in, information leading to capture, Kinnahan. But this is what. Um, so last week, this is what business we have uh, faced unprecedented levels of unfair scrutiny, scrutiny, and criticism since uh, the sanctions by the U.S. government of uh, Daniel Joseph. It is a matter of public record that Mr. Kenhan's involvement in MTK ceased in 2017, and despite repeated reassurance in this regard, unfounded allegations about his ongoing association with us or his fighters persist, us or our fighters, which is kind of an interesting way to put it. Since leading promoters have now informed us that we will be, you know, basically severing ties, MTK and they're not going to work with the fighters or them, um, you know, they basically said we have to make the difficult decision to cease operations. Uh, so, well, I guess the, the, the MTK gyms are operated independently, so we'll remain open for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we talked with Jake, you just wonder, <clears throat> you know, ultimately, and then, you know, you can also talk about Probellum, what we were just talking about with Jake, and this comes from uh, Sunday World on uh, an, an exclusive sanctioned Kinahan gangster Ian Dixon was listed as a manager of the boxing firm Pro Bella MMA Sports. Uh, this is from Nikki Talent. Um, sanctioning or yeah, sanctioned Kinahan lieutenant Ian Dixon was listed as a manager of Pro Bella MMA Sports when the company first registered with the UAE Ministry of Economy. Um, <clears throat> it says, Dixon was described as Daniel Kinahan's banker, managing his money payments and chasing debtors by U.S. authorities who sanctioned both him and his company in that Hoopo Sports. Uh, he was registered as a responsible manager by Probellum MMA Sports in 2019 when they first filed documents in the um, so yeah, this is you know the spokesman for them. The, the statement to Sunday World: the spokesman from Pro, Pro Bellum denied uh, that he had anything to do with. Denied they had anything to do with Pro Bellum MMA Sports or Ian Dixon, and that's that was the MMA company that they opened. And then they're from what I've heard, their their thing is they just liked. This is what they're going with. They like the name probellum, so they they decided to go with it, and then but it was already trademarked uh, for something that was tied. But like I said, we'll see with more of that stuff coming out. I'm not going to jump the gun. See how long, if you know, will they be around or not? Um, so I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, she. Nicola actually tweeted sanctioning Kinahan gangster was listed as manager of boxing firm Pro Bella New Record Show, so it kind of reads a little different in the article. Um, Dan Raphael over her tweet tweeted Pro Bella has a good stable, but is already dead in the water at least in the U.S. Promoters broadcasters will do will not do business because of the Kinahan stuff. Commissions and sites may also deny them as well. They also lost their European deal because of it. So, um, even if they don't have a tie, it's, it's too close of a tie, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, by the way, I kind of forgot about this, but if you, for some reason, don't have this zone, and I don't know why you wouldn't just – well, you have to – yeah, you could just get it for one month for 20 bucks. But they do have Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano for 25 bucks on payperview.com. I've seen that out and about. Sounds like July 2nd. Wembley Arena in London, UK. Joe Joyce and Joe Parker. We talked about that. It's kind of an interesting fight um, at this point. Uh, this is Johnny Wilde uh talking about the Shakur Valdez. Shakur listed as a minus nine hundred Valdez plus six hundred. And I've seen some kind of crazy number of like a couple different crazy numbers for Valdez by decision, which is like plus twelve hundred or something like that. Anyway, he says in my opinion this line is out of control. I think Valdez is live here. It'll be interesting to see how much people are gonna talk about that part of it because he is, you know, pretty damn big underdog considering the stakes and whatnot but um, stylistically I guess they just think Shakur's got a little more in his bag or a lot more in his bag um, and we talked about this one getting uh, announced May 21st on ESPN the fight um, with the uh, Quasic style uh, Genevich and uh, Dignum and Herring and Ortiz are also that's going to be yeah top rank. So so that that's the one he said that it won't be ESPN or not that it won't be, but the the actual the actual uh, broadcaster which would be ESPN haven't announced it yet. But May twenty first, I think that's what he was talking about. Um, this is Dan Raphael. purse sources: Richard Comey and the Jose Pedraza will fight in July on a top rank card on ESPN. Um. You know, kind of a just a, a mid-level fight that has some interest. Uh, maybe stylistically, it will you know turn into a good fight. This is also Jake Donovan from a couple days ago. Rumors of uh, Jaime Munguia and Daniel Jacobs fight fighting on July or on June 11th or any other day could be put to rest. The fight is dead at this point. Money being the primary factor. On to the next one for Munguia, who eyes a June. Or July return no clear next step for Jacobs and then not my favorite uh, <laughs> Reporter or not, well, a little bit of a reporter whatever media member Chris Mannix He said Jacobs is in the mix for a fall fight with Jamal Charlo I'm told but that's a long time to wait and no guarantee that fight comes off Well, the Mungia thing is just really starting to add up now. I understand how that could be, if you look at the money, how the money could be an issue, because if you look at the money they paid Danny for these fights of late, especially the Canelo fight, but just in general, the deal to get him over there, you know, um, I get get some of that. You know what I mean? I I could see how that would pop off. But, um, you know, I mean, Jacobs and Charlo, I'd be interested in the fight. I think at 160... Jacobs has fought better, <laughs> you know I don't know if it's Jacobs just at a stage in his career where he doesn't have that hunger. That's what it kind of feels like uh, Maybe he won his last fight Maybe it was a draw Some people think that uh, But in the end he didn't and then the two fights before that especially the Gabriel's out of fight He just looked disinterested not motivated And you know, he didn't didn't really look all that good, you know in his last fight so maybe just uh, returning to facing an unbeaten fighter and in, in a higher-level fighter. Maybe that'll get his juices going, uh, especially, you know, Charlo and him have had, you know, some disputes in the past. So maybe that'll spark him a little bit. I don't know. But uh, he just hasn't looked good, if we're being honest. But it does suck that, like, I don't know. It's just this Mungia thing, man. I mean, how many fights – it's been like four, four or five fights now. Obviously, the worst one was the Charlo one, but, you know, Munguia, that wasn't really his fault, as we know. It's, it's the suits. Uh, this is Keith Eidick from a couple days ago. Uh, TGB Promotions just won the WBA purse bid for Josh Taylor and uh, Alberto Puello. Um, the the minimum offer was 200000 no other bidders. It's basically saying, okay, Taylor's going to probably drop this belt, obviously, you know what I mean? Um, Ismael Barroso, yeah, I think it's Barroso, it, it's probably going to be. That's the second ranked. Um, Gilberto Ramirez and Dominic Bo- Bozell, I think that's his name, going to headline May 14th, the zone card. Just another eh, fight in my mind. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think it's uh, it's – it's just another blase blah fight from Gilberto Ramirez, man. I mean, obviously, that's that's a shitty fight. It doesn't really do anything for him. Um but it is what it is, you know. I don't I don't know. I guess they're just in wait mode, you know, for the Canelo fight. But this one is like they're taking it to this to new heights, man. Jesse Hart and an old Abraham, that's basically all he's got. But either way, it is what it is. Someone did message me about that uh that Wilder and Joyce are gonna fight for the w b c and you know it, i from the sounds of it, it I don't know why I just made that noise but from the sounds of it I don't know about that you know what i mean i'm not i don't I don't think so I, I, maybe I'm wrong you know which that's fine uh, you know we all we're all wrong sometimes but um I understand like the ranking you know, Wilder and Joe Joyce are the second, well, we haven't seen the new rankings technically, but going into this, Tyson Fury had the belt, the main belt, and of course, Dillian White had the interim belt. So number one is Wilder, number two is Joe Joyce, number three is Parker, and number four is Frank Sanchez, just to remember that name. Um, Yeah, because right now, Joyce isn't yeah, Joyce is the current. I believe he's the current mandatory challenge. Now it hasn't been called, but he is uh, he's the number one ranked at the uh, WBO, which obviously Usyk has. And, uh, it sounds like it's a done deal or pretty close to it. Uh, Joyce and Parker, which for Joyce, that's a good fight for him at this stage of his career. Um, would I be shocked if Wilder and Frank Sanchez fought? No, I wouldn't. Um, would the WBC call for Dillian White to fight Wilder? For you assume that Fury's gonna let the belt go um, at some point? I don't know. But, you know, a lot of this stuff is just kind of we don't know. You know what I mean? Um, how much pressure are they even gonna put on him? Um, because wait a second, wasn't he the Mando and that was the whole purse bid thing? Yeah, so they don't need to call him man though, but it might be Tyson Fury just dropping his belt. Maybe they'll allow Wilder to come in and be like, hey, make a decision, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with this, but wasn't he the man? Or, no, he wasn't the mandatory, was it? Ah, the, This stuff is so stupid sometimes. Um, and You, you kind of forget, like, oh, was he? I mean, because it was going to go to First bit, if you couldn't figure it out, right? And it ultimately did. So clearly, he must have been the mandatory, then, because he got the eighty twenty stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it. So, unless he just dry, and maybe Fury, because Fury says you know Wilder should get another shot. He, he thinks Wilder will beat all these other guys. Whatever, that's his opinion. But you know, maybe. Maybe that plays into it. He's just going to drop the belt. I don't know. I really don't know. It doesn't seem like he wants to fight Usyk or AJ now. But that could just be him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just talking. Uh, I could see why he'd want uh, an easy fight. Not that this was a pretty easy fight, relatively speaking, right, that he just got over. But I could see why he'd want to do that cross fight. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, I think that's the scenario. I wouldn't doubt if Wilder gets a shot at an interim belt or whatever. I don't, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see if, if Wilder comes back. He still has to come back. So, um, and as far as the WBO side, it's Joyce Parker, Frank Sanchez, and Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, Du Bois, uh, uh, Luis uh, Ortiz, Hunter, and so, forth. so yeah. Um. Oh, Berlanga. Berlanga against Angulo. Alexi Angulo, June eleventh at the Hulu Theater. MSG. Um. You know, a lot of people are be like, he needs to get tested. He needs to step up because you know he was knocking everybody out before, and and now it's like, all right, dude, like. Now we need him in there with a real fighter. He's talking all this stuff. You're you're saying how he's he's uh, the monster. You know, step him up then. And it's like I definitely hear what people are saying there to an extent. Um, And he's at a a weight class where there is some big fights for him, uh, relatively speaking, anyway. But in the same breath, if top rank puts him in with someone that we all think he's going to beat him and then beat him, they're going to be like, man. They should have known better, you know. So it's like, well, which one is it? I mean, based off these three fights where it's gone the distance every one, right? Stevie Rolls wants the diff uh the the distance, Nicholson, the other fight, yeah, they've gone and Berlanga got knocked down in that one fight, second to last fight, I think. Um you know, it is what it is. I, I think if 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 you're moving him the way you're moving him, right? And if you're actually responsible for it, you know, it's really easy to talk on Twitter about, oh, you should match him with this, match him with this. First of all, not all these fights are even available per se, but you are trying to develop the guy. And, you know, he did go a fair amount of rounds uh, with Benavidez not that long ago. He went the distance we just mentioned with uh, Gilberto. So it's it's more rounds for the guy, you know what I mean? I I think that I th- think that's fair. I don't I don't look at it as like oh this is a shitty fight for him because because I don't you know based off I mean people are so critical of him, which I'm not saying you shouldn't be per se the way they hype him and all those knockouts. But like I said, if you're moving him and your job is to move Berlanga, you're probably gonna move him this way, man. Based. Stop what you've seen in the ring these last three fights So I don't really think it's This horrible fight that some people are talking About I'm not going to say we're going To get a lot more like it's a huge Learning fight either per se but Let's just Put it this way that's pretty much what I thought was next You know what I mean um Eddie Hearn Talking about Connor Ben's next fight He doesn't want to fight Stan He says um, Eddie Hearn on if he could uh, Fight Connor Ben he said uh, we could fight for the WBA regular belt. Fuck the regular title. Fuck the regular title. You win a regular title title, and it's, oh, he ain't a world champion. Stanioli is a real tough fight and you won't even get credit of a world champion. You know, he's promoting IBO champs. So I don't know if he should, you know, he, he needs to calm down a little bit there. But um, but I understand what he's saying. You know, I definitely understand what he's saying there. Um. To an extent, anyway. But if you're gonna talk a big fight, a challenging fight, you know, I mean, we should probably, you know, do something with that. Um. Oh, there was that report. Someone actually just messaged me this as well. Um. There's a report. It's it's an alleged situation. A woman is alleged, uh, you know, in the civil lawsuit uh, that Oscar De La Hoya sexually assaulted her twice. This is alleged, I'd like to say. A woman who worked for an ex- or as an executive for a tequila company alleged in a civil lawsuit filed Wednesday that Oscar De La Hoya sexually assaulted her on two occasions. According to the report posted to the Los Angeles Times website, a fo- this comes from BoxingScene.com if I didn't say that, a former employee accused the retired boxer uh, of sexually assaulting her in a hotel room while he was on a trip to visit Casa Mexico's Uh, Mexico tequila distillery in March 2020. She also accused the president of Golden Boy uh, promotions of sexually assaulting her again at uh, De La Hoya's home um, once they returned home from the trip. That's what she says. That's what the lawsuit said. Um, According to the woman whose name was withheld, the first sexual assault took place uh, when De La Hoya pulled her into a hotel room. The lawsuit states that uh, De La Hoya hotel room because he she went to his hotel room because he hadn't attended a tour of the distillery that morning in his room once he didn't answer the door. She said the second one occurred after a business dinner at a restaurant and after returning to his home, you know. This is what she said. Let's make this clear that uh De La Hoya allegedly forcibly penetrated her with a sex toy against her will. Um, so, and, and we have to go on the other side of this. De La Jolla says he's um, he denied any wrongdoing. He said, with the 24 hours news cycle, we can all find ourselves in more often than not,
3: malicious and
1: unjust accusations uh, are interpreted as truth without evidence to support the claims. I am confident that my legal team will resolve this matter and prove my innocence. So that doesn't sound like he's going to settle. You know what I mean? So if he goes all the way and doesn't try to settle or anything like that, then all – because, you know, when you settle, it's like sometimes the person can be completely innocent when they settle. They just don't want to go through this stuff. They don't want to – especially if you have young kids in school and you don't want them to be dragged through this stuff. So I can understand some of that, but also when you settle, sometimes it's like, hmm, so you're kind of admitting guilt. By the way, the Pro Bellum I did actually forget to talk about that card. Uh what was that? Friday night or Thursday? Friday night. Um Rocky Fielding got a knockout. I think it was round three. Um that Maxwell and um Menaces, that was a damn good fight. I saw a good chunk of that. And Maxwell, um you know Maxwell. I mean, he definitely, you know, he definitely was doing his thing. Like he made it a better fight than people were talking about. But I think it was uh, was it the eighth or ninth round. He did score the knockout. I think it was the eighth or ninth on Maxwell. So um, that was. I did see a good chunk of that. Uh, Jesse Dickens too uh, had that uppercut knockout in. I think it's the fifth round or something like that. So, um, Also, not long ago, Isaac Cruz, Duran Garcia, and De La Hoya come negotiate but not on social media. <laughs> That's true because sometimes, you know, it's one thing for the fighters to go back and forth on Twitter or, you know, post something and then they respond to it or whatever, you know, because you've seen that with Crawford and, and Spence right now. It's one thing to do that, but the negotiations should be, for the most part, behind closed doors. And in that fight, they have it. And in too many fights, and this is where I'll say the worst person when it comes to that, we all know, is Eddie Hurd. Sometimes it's like, dude, say your piece, but then you got to move on now. You don't want to be putting it constantly out there because it just, sometimes, like I said, it just doesn't line up, dude. You know, just like, how does that help us? You know, uh, according to Deuce, source to say former 122 champ Brandon Heartbreaker Figueroa will, will return to the ring July 9th uh, at the Alamo Dome for Maxayo Vargas. So um, I wonder who he's going to be. He doesn't say who he's fighting, but that's kind of interesting there. No doubt about it. Um, what else we got for news? Maybe a couple other news items here. Oh, <laughs> this MMA for Usman, um, this MMA
3: manager or whatever,
1: just his tweet was just ridiculous, dude. Canelo is an absolute chicken. He is fighting guys. With 5,000 followers on Instagram, guys will never do nothing for his legacy. Now I understand why he doesn't want to lose to someone like Usman. This is a chicken style: no risk, no reward. Well, first of all, no risk against Bibble, and then no reward. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, are you positive? Um, and Canelo over the top, but talk, talk, over the top. God, I can't talk. Over the top of it, he, he you know, he, he tweeted, "Who the fuck is this guy? Or who the fuck is this?" He says, "You know who I am. You know what the difference between you and Usman is. You've been ducking GGG for two years now, but Komuro have fought everybody in the UFC threw through through in front of them, all that. So, but to sit there and be like, he's a he's an absolute chicken because he's fighting a guy with five thousand followers on Instagram, like." And the reward thing, it's like you're just going out of your way to, to ramp up him or something, get him pissed off or something. I don't know, but someone just sent me that tweet. It's like, yeah, whatever. Oh, um, this is Glazier. MTK will be fine, led by two career boxing professionals, Lee Eaton and Bob Yalen. They'll be fine. There's nothing to worry about. Boy, another, another bad uh, Glazier tweet gone wrong. Someone just sent me this. I lost some followers today because I support, oh, because of my support for Daniel Kinnahan's presence in boxing. And I will continue to support all those that are assets to the betterment of the sport and the business of professional boxing. And this tweet is not getting deleted. He's such a dirtbag, man. Anyway, um, when it comes to this weekend, I'm really excited for a variety of reasons about these fights. Um, you know, the Serrano and Taylor fight, like we've said, definitely has, like, an advantage there as far as, uh, not an advantage, but but a tighter, it's a tighter fight on paper, much tighter fight on paper. Um, right now at FanDuel, you can get Katie Taylor for plus 102, Amanda Serrano's minus 130. I see Serrano at BetMGM at plus 110, Um, plus 120 for Katie Taylor, plus 125 at five dimes is probably the highest I've seen. Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, it's 50-50. And, you know, I mean, I know that I have seen this has to be i' I lately I've seen especially today yesterday and today that folks are out there saying that Taylor's gonna stop Serrano and it's like what like first of all, when is the last time Taylor knocked somebody out of a high level I mean she I mean she hasn't you know what i mean and and not just that, but she's been in. The Jonas fight was very close, as we know the person, person or Person. Those fights were very,
0: very close.
1: She's been in a lot of competitive fights uh, since her last knockout, and her last knockout was in the ninth round TKO. She did score a knockdown in the first round uh, of Vol- Valenti, but you know she with Cindy Serrano, she went ten rounds. I just. This whole calling for a knockout, I mean, knockouts happen randomly, don't get me wrong. You know? But, if it, you know, they just happen. Great punches, you know, clear punches, whatever. It just happens. But if anybody's going to knock anybody out, you know, Amanda Serrano probably has a better chance of knocking her out, you know? So, that whole knock Serrano out, I, shit happens. We've seen it in boxing. I'm not trying to say she's not capable at all, but I just don't – I don't know. I mean, they're basically the same size as far as reach and height and all that. Um, But I don't see a knockout. I just don't. Serrano, the one coming up, right? Yeah, she's the one coming up. But I don't see a knockout. And maybe that's why they're saying it. You know, someone just messaged me saying it's because Eddie Hearn just said she's winning by knockout. And maybe that's true. I'm certainly not going to be saying, like, oh, that that was a lucky knockout or something next week if she wins by knockout. Um, But both these, like, when we look at the evolution of women's boxing and, you know, it's picked up steam um, on the the high levels of the sport, the top levels, the, the top tier fighters, it is easier to get these fights made. Um, it's easier to get these belts put together and, you know, I mean, if we look at like pretty much all weight classes compared to the men and women divisions, you can see that as far as boxing depth wise and each division is a little different, but I'm saying just the sheer numbers, you know, just the sheer number of, you know, fighters fighting, um, You know, like, I think there's, I don't know. Actually, let's see right here on Boxing Rec. It says they have Katie Taylor at lightweight, number one out of 127. Like, the depth of women's boxing still has a long way to go, but the fights going on right now, what's happened in the Olympics, just, well, let's hope boxing (laughs) remains in the Olympics, right? But... It's definitely going to influence the next generation, and we've seen it. Sky Nicholson, the way she fights, like, there are some women out there, and plenty of them, um, that fight, quote-unquote, similar to the men's style, where the technique, and even some of the power, and it's tough to say power just because of the two-minute rounds, but... I mean, there's club shows that are sloppy as hell, so I'm not trying to say, oh, they're sloppy, they don't have technique, nothing like that. But there are some women at each division that really stand out as, wow, this is, these are highly skilled professional boxers, period, we don't even need to bring up. So, yeah, the depth of the sport, and I'm not talking about at the weight class like top five or top ten, because there are some interesting weight classes. Um, and they seem to jump weight classes more, right? But just the sheer volume of fighters, number of fighters, clearly it's not the same thing, right? And so, but it's not to say that unifications and undisputed don't mean anything, because they do. Obviously. Obviously. Now, some of them are a vacant this, a vacant that, but this is, um, you know, an undisputed fight. And... It's not just that, it's two, when you see these two fighters, they're fighters, period. It's not about, oh, this is a woman's fight. Well, it is a woman's fight, but, uh, you know, Katie Taylor and some of the skills she flashes, right, due throughout a fight and how she wins fights and how she throws her punches and the skill level she has is up there. Serrano as, is the same thing, fluid puncher, hard puncher rapid fire puncher technique with it doesn't have to just be a brawler, but loves to just, well, isn't really a brawler. She's just a um, very high level, like high level, big, you know, majorly skilled, but the output, you know, her output is is her activity in the ring and the combinations. I think that actually As long as Serrano doesn't try to make too much of a statement too early in this fight, and that's the thing with the two-minute ring, 10 rounds, you do, you do. But I'm saying as long as she doesn't overdo it with her um, technique, where it's like you're trying to land too many big punches and keep to that rapid fire, stay with that jab, keep your technique, um, I do think Serrano will win. I think she's just too active, and that's not to say Katie Taylor is active because she can put punches together. She can box really nice. I've just seen um, females with—I'm not going to say an exact similar style to Serrano that she's fought, but we've seen most of Taylor Taylor's fights because she is a popular fighter, right? And she's in, she's been on some you know pretty big cards and whatnot. So to me. Although, I, you know, I understand she is moving up in weight. I think Serrano will win it. You know, I don't know what it'll be. If it'll be six four, or if it'll be a uh, 5'4", you know, one super close type fight. But, if, I don't know. I, I just think Serrano is just going to be too much for her. the skill in the volume punching. And she can pop. Like, she she has more power than her. I mean, that, that's not really saying much. Uh, Katie Taylor doesn't have that many knockouts. But as, you know, as we said, the, the knockout numbers at lower divisions can mean less, you know, at times. I just think, you know, you could say that Taylor lately maybe has faced uh, some better competition. Um, but I don't even know if that's true i think I think it is true. let's put it that way, but like if Serrano was in there with maybe a tad lesser opponent than Katie, she took care of business one hundred percent whereas Katie, whether it's a a high level you know fighter or just someone that's pretty good, a lot of the fights have been the Jennifer Hahn was pretty you know that was a wide distance fight but I mean, she's been in a lot of close fights with, you know, fighters that I don't think are as good as Serrano. So I think it'll be a hell of a fight. Don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to say Serrano is just going to easily walk through her. But I just think that some of the flaws that Taylor has, and you've seen it in the ring, and her opponent hasn't been able to take advantage of it, I think Serrano will see either of them get knocked out. I think it'll go the distance, maybe six four. Probably top seven to three. I'm not saying it's going to be like a nine-to-one thing or anything like that. I just think Serrano's hand speed, pop, and combination punching, um, I think it's going to be too much for her. I do think Taylor's skill and counterability as well in, in the way she's accurate with her punches and she can move pretty well. I think she's going to trouble Serrano at times, no doubt. And I think she will counter serrano who might be a little overzealous to put on a show because she always she fights that way a lot you know so and even in her last fight she was getting hit pretty clean but she was dominating most of the fight so i am looking for that fight should be a really good one um but i have serrano winning that fight now as far as the other side of it i talked about the odds a little bit uh, as far as you know, Oscar Valdez. I'm looking right now. The highest number I see is plus 600, and that is five dimes, so six to one underdog. Which five to one uh, plus 375. I think plus 340 is the lowest I see. That yeah, it's plus 340 is the lowest, and that's on points bet. I don't even. I've never. I don't even know that. But anyway, um, that's kind of it. You know. I don't know. I mean, is it worth it to put a flyer out on money like that? Especially that – I saw a couple of tweets today. I think Calix Boxing and a couple other folks. Who else? I can't remember. But, you know, they did mention that that decision and how much, you know, you wouldn't have to put much down if it's a plus. Even 800 or 1, or 1000 or 1200 I mean – you know, you really won if you're talking about 10-1, to 12-1 for a decision, is it worth putting a flyer on it? I think it is. I think it is. Um, you know, Shakur, one thing I'll say about this fight is I don't think either fighter have been in the ring with a guy like the fighter, you know, that's going to be from across, right? I think that Oscar Beldez clearly has a deeper resume, right? Speaking of tight fights though, um, clearly the more tested fighter is Oscar Valdez. Now, when I say tested, I mean, you could make an argument that he lost his last fight. You you really could. Um, now he, he also had a great performance against Burchelt last year where he scored that knockout and just fought his best overall fight. Um, even the Adam Lopez fight, you know, Valdez was down. What was that the, early in the fight, the second or third round? That was – the the the, the Quig fight was give and take the whole time. Um, when he fought that Cervania uh, he was down, got dropped in that fight. Mariaga, that was a brawl right there. So as far as tested against veteran solid fighters – I don't think it's really close, as far as that goes. That favors Oscar Valdez all the way. And when you look at the Joette Gonzalez's and the, the you know the Alberto Guevara and uh, Christopher Davis and um, Herring, right? Um, you know, none of those guys are like bring what Oscar Valdez brings to the ring. And Oscar, although he gets in a lot of brawls. And he he loves to attack the body. Um, He did that a lot in his career, especially early on at the championship level where he would uh, move quite nicely, circle his opponent, pivot, and just dig to the body and look pretty fundamental. Now, his defense is a mess. And I think ultimately that's going to pay the price when it comes to this fight. Um, So I'm saying, though, like what he can bring with even his hand speed, with his combination punching, um, he's not like I said just a come-forward guy. I'm not saying that he's going to win at range or on the back foot, but just to, you know, just just circling his opponent, taking a step to the side, that type of stuff can add up to a different look. And I like herring a lot as a as a man, but also as as a fighter to an extent, right? But you know. I, it's just a different style. Way different style. And I and one thing, we've seen Stevenson lately, especially in his last fight, last two fights, he came out a lot more aggressive. I don't expect him to look Oscar Velda's back in round one. But don't be surprised if Stevenson is backing him up because other fighters have backed him up that aren't on the level of Stevenson. Now, we don't know 100% Secure Stevenson on just Yet we know he's been A uh, you know he won A vacant belt against Joette Who's a good fighter Joette uh, Gonzalez, good fighter at 126 But he never really was tested there Pairing solid No doubt about he's solid but it's Still you know um, we, we just don't know yet We don't know and, and I know that He says that he feels like he's The best fighter in the world or he's going to be up there soon. And that's fair. Why wouldn't he think that? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't he think that? Um, you know, there's times where he talks about, well, I've already done more. You know, I, I've already been a two, you know, a two-way class, you know, champion. Uh, you know, he, he accomplished more than Floyd, you know, had this number of fights or whatever, stuff like that. To me, you know, sure, I mean, on paper, you know he is 17 and 0 and i think that was it 17 or 18 and 0 when he took on when uh, mayweather took on hernandez who was the lineal guy at the weight class i believe he was like was it 32 and 0 with a draw or 34 and 0 or something like that his only loss was a weight class up 135 to oscar at the time um my point is he's not going to fight some of the early fights like a Corrales, like a Castillo, like a Hernandez. Valdez and Castillo, Valdez and Corrales, you know, I don't look at Diego Corrales and Valdez and say, yeah, that's about equal. I don't look at that. Uh, technically, uh, Diego, first of all, Diego was in the top ten. I think he was like ninth or something like that, tenth. He was the top ten pound for pound. And he was looked at as one of the most powerful pound for pound fighters Uh, just power-wise, and he was the favorite going into the fight with Mayweather. So we can say in 17 fights I accomplished more, but we got to look at resume, obviously. And uh, Herring is a good win, but that's about it. You know, I'm not saying they didn't move him nicely and give him good challenges, because I think they did. You know, I think that Christopher Diaz, where that fight was at that time, even the Joe Joette uh, Gonzalez I think These have all been good little Test him and all that and then Herring obviously was his Biggest test and he looked Great in the fight I mean looked phenomenal But I don't like I said just get back To the X's and O's I Don't see Stevenson Going at Oscar that early However Backing him up with a jab going to the Body Um I do, at some point, see him pushing him back in this fight, and I do think he can wear him down to an extent. Now, will he stop him? Maybe. Excuse me. Maybe he will, and if he wants to be up there in the pound for pound, I'm not saying he has to stop him or anything like that, but the Diego Corrales fight was stopped. I mean, after Carell's got knocked down a bunch and, uh, you know the Hernandez fight was pretty one-sided. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I think that Stevenson just has too many paths to victory. He doesn't have to just come for you and wear you down and not try to knock you out and wear you down to the body and all that. He doesn't have to do that. Whereas, you know, I, I think Valdez is really going to have to do that. He's going to have to be something that we haven't seen Shakur face in a ring. And now he does have to use some of that offensive fundamentals that, that he does have, you know, he's got a decent jab. He can, like I said, go to the body, He can pivot a little bit. I'm not saying stay at range, but you got to take a step to the side. You got to, you got to find a way inside uh, without taking a bunch of damage. I mean, You'll probably, just based off the jab, do some of that. Um, you know, take two to 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 land one, you know, take three to land one. Um, and we'll see. You know, there is a, a fair – I mean, I think Stevenson is like a – I think it's like a 6'8 reach or something like that. A 68 um, to 66. So there's a minor reach. I do think we'll see like a, a Stevenson who is – I don't think he's going to be on his 10 speed right away. I don't think he's going to be running. I think he'll be firmly trying to win rounds early in the fight with his jab, using his defense, looking to set up counters. I think he will, I'm not going to say invite Oscar in to just brawl, but I think he's going to be using that jab and counter shots to, uh, to keep him away from him and, and, and keep turning him. I think we're going to see a lot of pivoting, a lot of turning, a lot of clean shots. And as that lines up, as that adds up, you know, in the 6th to 8th round, and as we get into the ninth and 10th, if Oscar hasn't won at least a few rounds where it looked like he, he managed to, to get Shakur on a rope, to trap him in the corner, to really get off on him, to get, you know, land those body shots, to Shakur hasn't been tested defensively really yet. You know what I mean? I we've seen him on the move We've seen him counter shots. We've seen him kind of looking like ah, I'm gonna win these rounds It's a pretty boring fight type of field too, which happens to a lot of fighters by the way I'm not ripping them and when you look at how many damn rounds this guy won I actually saw that tweet going around too He's lost like four rounds or something like that. I forgot the tweet what it was, but it, it was like damn Yeah, you put it in that perspective. So, although I think, you know, like I said, I think Oscar Valdez in the first six rounds will have some success. It's just a matter of can he actually come out of those first six rounds three to three? And can he actually get Stevenson more worried about what's coming at him and being more on the move? So he can't counter as well, and he is worried about defensively. And maybe we see little cracks in his defense. He's gonna have to—he's he, gonna have to test that defense. He's gonna have to close the gap, but not smother. I think Deldos can do some of that. Um, he's gonna have to get in there without that jab that's gonna be in his face. The hand speed, uh, the placement of, of, of Stevenson's punches, and just like I said, the counter ability. How many? Clean shots can Veldas take to get all the way in, you know. Um, it's going to be interesting, but I, I don't see Velda as being able to fight at range. And even when we've seen him be on the outside, it was normally with, um, shit. Even Burchell, that times he was circling him and, and making a move, you know, turn him and stuff like that. So. You know, Valdez actually does have more skill, offensive skill, and a little foot movement to the boot, and just some heads up boxing in there. That'll probably have to blend in there, but I really think most of it is just gonna be like, "Hey, I got to get inside, I got to land my power shots, and I got to try to just wear this. I got to rough him up, I got to have him looking at the ref. I got to, you know, if I miss the hook, up oh, there's an elbow. I'm not trying to say he's got to be dirty." But he's got to be dirty, you know. He's got to rough him up. The old hit him on the hip. Anytime, I mean, anytime you can get tangled up, you got to force him to, to 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 tie up. And then once it's tied up, it'll be interesting to see Shakur's strength in those tie-ups, and not just strength, but that's where uh, just the knowledge of fighting for so long and, and also transitioning into pro. You know, it took him a, a handful of fights to look really good as a pro. And ever since then, you know, he's had some mediocre performances where it looked like he was just almost bored or whatever. But when he looks on, he looks on, you know. So I just think the the more accurate, crisp, you know, just a guy that's going to set him up more, I, I just see um, Stevenson winning. And I see him winning like – like – eight to four, nine to three. Um, could he pull like a 10 to two in this? I, I actually think he's capable of it. Um, but a lot of that will probably be just how those first six routes go. Ken Velda just be that bulldog. Cause he's got plenty of power and pop at the division. Um, but, but his activity rate and all that's going to have to be on par and same with Stevenson, he, I mean, he's going to have to, you know, Whether it's pumping that jab or whatever, he's going to have to keep something on Beldez to keep him honest. He's going to have to prove to him pretty damn early in that. Um, So, we'll see. But I do actually have uh, Shakur Stephenson winning. I mean, could there be a TKO of just too much punishment or something? Maybe. You know, maybe. I mean, he did... uh, I didn't think he was for sure going to stop pairing or something like that, you know. Not that he completely knocked him out or whatever, but and you know, I'm really, I'm looking forward to see if this is the fight that Stevenson really gets tagged, and then not only tagged because you know everyone gets hit with a clean shot now and now that buzzes you or whatever. That that's it's really not that major of a deal in boxing. Obviously, it can be within that round in that fight if it's like changing around changing, but I just want to see it with the guy, against the guy who could do something about it after too, you know what I mean and are we going to see that bulldog you know with some skill making sure that he's you know, doing his thing as far as, you know, keeping his uh, activity up and all that and, and how well can he fight on the inside with the one hand free stuff? You know what I mean. I mean that that stuff is gonna. You can't just rough somebody up and then not do something with the the one hand free. You know what I mean? Um, but I am picking Shakur Stevenson by decision. I am going to go ahead and bring in John here. I know he's got limited time, so we're gonna we're gonna try to get him in there. What's going on, John? How you doing, man?
3: Hey, Chris, uh, thanks for uh, getting me in and getting me in a little late here tonight. Uh, In my alter ego law career, it was a a hectic day that uh, (laughs) has literally just come to an end uh, a a few minutes ago, and uh, don't want to diverge too much, but I'll just say boxing fans, like it or not, know a lot about negotiations. Uh, If you're a fan of the sport, it's so much a part of it that you kind of end up uh, following it here and there. and this this was one of those days where the, the negotiations did, did not go well and were on a far polar opposite side. So, uh, long day without getting anywhere. But let's uh, talk about some boxing.
1: <laughs> Speaking of a long day or a long time without getting anywhere, I think that pretty much plays into what happened over the weekend with Thierry and White. You know, we heard about – a thousand days and all that. Um, what I mean, it just seems like, man, it's it's not that he. Did, I don't know. It's not like he wasn't trying or whatever. I know the style matchup is going to be tough for him and whatnot. But, and I didn't expect that to be some sort of seven to five fight or anything like that, where you thought, oh man, this might this might be close to a draw or something like that on paper. But um, what'd you think of overall? Uh, of the performance of both guys last weekend. Before we get into, you know, this week with Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano and Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Belvez, obviously a major, you know, a major crowd on hand, a record-breaking crowd in sports in general, which is so huge. Um, And we did get an uppercut knockout no matter what uh, Dillian White has been saying these last couple days about the push is actually what knocked him out um i just like your thoughts on that and then all
4: yeah i know right
1: and then also now we're hearing the the greatest of all time and i'd like to get your take on that because i kind of have two different ways of i need more resume to call him the greatest of all time one but as far as like a fantasy matchup with his reach, his height, and his skill level on the outside at range, and what he could do as a bully, I get the fantasy matchup stuff a lot more than I, I get the he's the greatest of all time. Because I just think you just have to have resume. I mean, shit, if we just went head-to-head and Michael Jordan tried to post up LeBron, well, that LeBron's much bigger than him. You know what I mean? So... But, you know, we're not talking about one-on-one because it'll never happen. We're talking about resume. Let's uh, get your thoughts on the actual fight and then this whole greatest of all time heavyweight stuff that we've seen uh, come heavy ever since that uppercut landed.
3: Well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to talk about the fight first, Chris, but I will say right there, of course, you definitely know your boxing, and, and I think you hit the right issue on the head, but I'll get to that after I talk about the fight uh, last few weeks. And it doesn't always go that way because none of us can be perfect at predicting anything in life, whether it's boxing or anything else. But last few weeks, I feel like I've had a good feel for what was going to play out in the fights, And I felt for me, Fury white was another one that I had pegged. Um, you know, you've heard me say a lot of times, I, I understand within the division who he's caught in this era when the true top 10 guys don't fight each other that much, that people always kind of wanted to make a pure resume argument for white that, well, if you compare who he's fought compared to other heavyweights, he deserves to be highly ranked and not in an alphabet way, but just even when you're, you're coming up with your real top 10. And I kind of got the arguments, but I was always careful to say, and always pointed out, because I always believed it, relatively speaking, White was not a talent, a particularly talented heavyweight. He basically made the most of what he had. He was in some exciting fights. I came to say that. The, un- the hook to me that he threw was always really unorthodox, but he convinced me that at least if he landed it, that, that unorthodox left, He could hurt you with it. But but you saw in the fight with Fury just how crude he is, Uh, you know, the wild swing. And and you've seen that plenty of times before with White. That was not a mystery when you had these White boosters trying to say that this guy – I mean, remember, Chris, before last Saturday, there were people right up to that fight saying people are underestimating White, and he's much more talented than people are saying – and giving credit for, and, and it was the contrary. This, this was a guy who's, who, relatively speaking, very, very marginally talented, not particularly talented, just kind of had that unorthodox left. And for a heavy, threw quite a few punches. But, you know, really mostly crude, uh, not the greatest chin in the world. We saw that against Saturday, and I, I said that when we were previewing this fight. You know, white when, when you really look at in all those fights he really doesn't take the best shot even though at heavyweight you know you're going to get dropped it's not like other weight classes you can't say at heavyweight when somebody gets dropped or stung they don't necessarily have a chin that's not always the case but with white we saw enough evidence that i didn't think he took the greatest shot and uh you know Fury, on the other hand, was a guy who, early in his career, you wondered what he had, and he proved he is this this freak. You know, six nine. You know, going anywhere from the two forties to the you know two seventies. This one, he was two sixty four. Got hand speed and boxing skill. He's shown toughness and resiliency. He's shown more aggression as his career went on and more power. You don't always see that, but he has done it. He showed a willingness to make trainer changes when he felt necessary, come to the U.S. and train, you know, train with Sugar Hill. It's really paid off for him. And and as I said again last week, that's the opposite of Anthony Joshua, who hasn't been able to make those switches. And Fury's the guy that's undefeated. Joshua's not. Um, So this one played out. I mean, it was pure domination, by Fury, he won every round. White wasn't landing anything, wasn't doing anything. I agree with you. Uh really the effort didn't even appear to be there. But I think what that was my take on that is I kinda saw that like everybody else, but I thought it was was I thought White was a guy who knew the charade was up. You know, that I, I'm this ferocious challenger that Some Alphabet organization, despite the fact I got knocked out by Povetkin at 41 years old, uh, says that, that I des- I'm owed the shot. Uh, you know, Hearn, I've said on the show a lot of times before, I think even Hearn knew the guy was marginally talented, and he was getting a lot of mileage out of him, more than he expected. He kept trying to like throw, you know, he, d- he didn't throw Joshua at other fighters for real, but you know, he kept doing it with, you know, white, like Wilder needs to fight white. And, uh, you know, you know, that, that was his big thing for a long period of time. It it was always, you know, somebody, somebody else's guy needs to fight white, but not, not Joshua, you know, um, it was like white was the guy that he was throwing at people, throwing at Wilder, throwing at Fury. And then, they finally got what they wished for, and it was basically an embarrassing performance. You know, Fury completely outclassed him. Totally different levels of talent. A guy, Fury, who, is, who has a lot of talent, you know, an unbelievable level of talent is turning out for a guy his size. Uh, he's actually turning out to be that, that heavyweight guy we always kind of imagined. And, you know, we looked at the Klitschkos maybe to some degree, as those guys that we first saw, but you know, Fury's even bigger than them. And and let's face it, he's he's also, even though that over time they had their moments. I mean, Fury's shown resilience throughout his career. You know, he he's a guy who has not folded yet. You know, he has he has not he has not quit in a fight. He has not folded, and, and he's well into his career now. So. You know fury just reminded you know you' already kind of you already should have known that at this point if you were properly respecting Wilder like I know you and I were that then you're looking what fury did to him and just coming off that fight of the year totally legitimate fight of the year one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time no doubt fury has proven himself white proved to be a flawed guy to me that really is one people should have seen some people did see it a lot of people didn't. That you know that that was just an overblown hype. That he he's this ferocious challenger. I mean I mean look at look at the the, the two fights with Chisora that were life and death. It got dropped by Rivas, uh, who had been off for a long time and is not a big heavyweight. Um, you know Parker, look that Parker fight. I, I Parker's got his flaws, but I felt like people totally misinterpreted that fight. The first knockdown, white got credited with was not a knockdown. You just look at the replay. It was not a knockdown. It was a bad call by the referee. I thought the the commentary was biased towards White, you know, saying, oh, he's, he's jabbing Parker, winning rounds. I really didn't think he was necessarily winning rounds. I thought it was a tight fight. He did legitimately drop Parker, who has a good chin, with that wild left of his. That's why I say he does have power in that. But then Parker came back, had him out on his feet, as the final bell rung, that fight would have gone 10 more seconds white would have been done of course the rules are the rules but he he was, he was about done so he just he just kept you know, he just kept getting by in these fights kind of kind of escaping and somehow because he did for modern heavyweights the way you have a lot of guys not fighting each other in all divisions not just the heavyweights you know he, he fought a little overall better Caliber of opposition than the others, so you know got knocked out by Povetkin, so people were you know crediting him with that, but they were making him into something he wasn't, and that's really what you saw Saturday night, so then going to the fury all time great stuff, I think you hit the issue right on the head, Chris, and this is where people when we're when we're comparing eras and especially at heavyweights where the guys have gotten bigger, it it is different than the other weights. You've got to remember that there's no weight limit. You've got to decide at heavyweight, what is your criteria? Is it who literally would beat who when they were in the ring? Because even though we don't want to say it because we all love, as you get older, your favorite era in the past and things like that. If it's just going to be who's in the ring with each other, As much as you may not feel like saying it, I mean, when you got this guy, Fury, at 6'9", you know, 264, moving the way he does with the hand speed, the boxing skill, and now showing pop, the people that were getting ridiculed who were saying, well, you know, know, if if they meant in that sense, he might be the greatest of all time, I'm going to shock people. I mean, that's really not crazy, okay? I mean – You know, to me, when you're ranking fighters and traditional, you know who they fought, uh, and then you know you just kind of value them and what they did as like a historian. You know, you're gonna put Ali first and Lewis right there, but but you know you you got to be realistic. I mean, you know you you got Joe Lewis. You know how size wise is he gonna handle if you're just going if they really fought, you know Tyson Fury that's 69264. I mean, we we want to believe that and and I'll be the first to tell you that what the fighters had to go through in the old days, they were tougher and things like that. Not that maybe if modern fighters uh weren't called to that challenge, they couldn't do it, but they don't have to anymore. So, I get that. I'd be the first to make that argument, but you you, you got to be realistic. I mean, the records in track and field go down, you know. Uh, records keep getting broken like that. I mean, even in sports like track and field, you know, weightlifting, things like that. I mean, you know, athletes getting bigger, stronger, faster to say that it's ridiculous to say, if we're talking about who's just in the ring with each other in a real fight that all these guys are going to take Tyson Fury, you know, you're, you're probably wishful thinking now, just what you said, the other way of evaluating it. I know a lot of historians will look at it this way, and I think it's another legitimate way, way to look at it. If you just look at it from historical ranking perspectives, you know, like, like the historians who really study all eras, and then they come up with their conclusions, no, then Tyson Fury... Is not going to be the greatest of all time. What some argument he's going to have over some others that people might not like, but I think is somewhat legitimate is, you know, it starts. You know, when you become the lineal champ, you know that that matters. And you know he's he's been, you know, if if you look at it from when he beat Klitschko, he's been the lineal champ. Then if you look at it as he lost it, he's picked up more defenses since nobody legitimately replaced him in the interim, or some people. Some real, real super purists They might say Well, even though Fury had a positive drug test And he was laid off for You know, a few years He still was the lineal champ Nobody beat him in the ring uh, he, he wasn't, you know Retired for good I mean, I, I, I think he was off too long He had the drug test I think you got to look at a break there But what people that don't study the history Don't, you know Realize like they should Nobody filled that gap. There was no one versus two fight when Fury was off. So, lineal was never filled. It got filled again when Fury and Wilder fought, you know, as a one-two, and Fury had been the last lineal champ. That was clear from a historical perspective. So, what I'm saying is some guys don't have the lineal credentials. Fury still has that. But, you know, he doesn't have the lineal credentials of an Ali, you know, three-time lineal champ, you know, with, with many defenses, Lewis, you know, all, all the lineal defenses. Uh, you know, th- then you got Holmes, you know, really when he established himself as lineal champ, stole a lot of defenses. Uh, you know, Lennox Lewis did that. Forget all the, the unified nonsense. Let's just, you know, look at lineal. And, you know, Lu- Lewis did that. So you have guys that did that, you know, Vladimir Klitschko. Um, and, you know, Vitaly was good, but, you know, the brothers weren't going to fight each other. We understand that. So you kind of got to evaluate him a little bit separately. But, that doesn't mean you, you go overboard and put them too high either. So, uh, And, you know, of course, you've got all kinds of greats from past, Marciano, Johnson. You know, in historical perspective, you're going to make your argument still for ranking a lot of these guys ahead of Fury, but like you pointed out, which I think is the right point, you, you got to decide how we're evaluating it. If we're, we're evaluating it with who just gets in the ring with each other and wins, and you're talking about a 6'9", 364 Fury with the skills and speed he has, it's going to be hard hard to make a case yeah. automatically that anybody's going to beat him. I mean, you know, it's, you, you can try, but it's going to be tough.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, some people say, because, you know, there's a lot more three-point shooting now in the NBA, and, well, you know, a guy like Magic Johnson couldn't play in the league. It's like, well, if you, if you had four shooters with Magic Johnson <laughs> like, okay you know like that, that he's going to dominate you know what i mean or if you have a a decent big and and three shooters and magic he's going to do really well so it's it's it, from era to era you know there is fantasy matchups uh that'll never happen but i do see some people saying that fury isn't also is 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 the goat but usik can be competitive with them? well then hold on <laughs> If if Usyk can be competitive, then then Larry Holmes and Ali could be competitive then. You know what I mean? Let, let's, yeah, and, and, let's, not, let's, let's, let's calm down on that, too, you know?
3: Well, yeah, and, and I am like a, a, a purist that, you know, you got to respect all errors and the history. I mean, and you make a good point. I mean, I know how to make the argument against Fury if you want to. I mean, I feel like I'm good at making those arguments, and they're legit, and it just shows you where the gray area comes in. Now, let's just, for devil's advocate, if I'm – somebody who really loves some older eras and I'm not sold on modern guys for whatever reason. And I want to make the argument against Fury. The first thing I'm saying is I'm going, well, the guy got dropped by Steve Cunningham, a cruiserweight who couldn't punch. How are you going to tell me that George Foreman swinging wild bombs on him? You know, it could, couldn't, couldn't just catch him, catch him with, with an, with a bomb sure. and, and, and just end this thing, you know? And you know, that's a that that's the kind of points you're gonna you're gonna make if you want to play devil's advocate, but I, I think it's more you know come, come on the guys the guys six nine two sixty four, um, you know or or I might make the case uh, Wilder like I think was the right way to do it. He came in low for that first Fury fight and he dropped him twice. So, but you know, you gotta you gotta remember, don't forget because. Fury's bigger than I mean, me. I mean, Deontay Wilder's 6'7". So, you know, it's not like there were a lot of 6'7 heavyweights right. walking around the past that could do what Deontay Wilder did either. So, even though let, he, he his weights are more in line um, you know, with with past heavyweights. So, yeah, you can make the case against it, but I think you really hit the nail on the head. You, you kind of got to first clarify what are we talking about. Now, I think it is worth throwing in there while we're we're still on the, the subject as we wrap it up. Um you know, U- usyk got his big fans. You know, his performance against Joshua was good. He won the fight. I don't think it was. I, I think that he was dominant is becoming a revisionist history narrative after the fact. I mean, he won the fight. He wasn't. He wasn't dominant in the fight. He he won the fight, but I, I don't. I mean, not to me. He he wasn't. I mean, the fight was in reach for Joshua. Uh, to me, you know, but Usyk won the fight. So I think that does matter in the sense that, you know, they got to have the rematch. I'm, I don't think Joshua is making the training adjustments he needs to make, which is going to get me to leaning much stronger towards Usyk. But I don't mind going out on the limb now because you're you're getting others going the other way. Yeah, I know Fury had trouble with Vollin, but Valen showed, I think, in that fight he can fight. And, of course, Usyk can fight too, but I I would, you know, if if right now, you know, I don't have to make that pick yet for good, but, I mean, if Fury and Usyk were going to fight right now, I'd pick Fury. I I think that, and it's not all the size thing like these people want to say either. It's just that Fury, he's got the skill and the size. You know, Usyk's got skill, a lot of volume, but not a big puncher. Usyk would have a chance to out hustle him because he's got stamina and throws a lot of punches. But what I think in that and Fury can have moments where he doesn't throw that much. But I got a I got a feeling that the six nine you know two sixty four Fury with the boxing skill and the speed. See that's the thing you got to remember. His speed's comparable to Usyk, even though he's six nine two sixty four, and that is a, a way different pa- is a way different package. Now you know Joshua was not slow, but. Joshua just doesn't have the boxing fluidity that Fury does, and uh, and Fury's shown he's more resilient. He, he's got he's got more toughness, and you know he's the guy that's it's really shocking because you didn't see it early in his career, but he, he's really yeah. kind of proven it now. Like he's showing the nastier streak, you know. And uh, I, I I think you know remember the part where Fury was cut and he then he was back and balling against the ropes and stuff like that, you know. Usyk, uh-huh. it would seem like he is, and this is why his fights aren't really boring. He he, he moves his hands a lot, and he, and he 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 and he moves his head, but he he's not really a dancer or a mover, and and that makes for more enter more of an entertaining fight. But, you know, what's the look going to be if Fury starts leaning on him and pushing him backwards, even if it's only at moments right. in the fight, you know, not not totally. And he. He he might not have the same stamina when he's getting getting backed off and 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 has to get forced to move more than he wants to and things like that that you know that cuts down on your stamina as we know so I if I had to pick it today I'd go I'd go with Fury but may, maybe we can talk a little bit about what we got yeah
1: definitely um, on paper S- Serrano and Taylor is close to a pick-em fight so we'll start there. Uh, another cool thing, I had Jake Donovan on earlier, and he mentioned how they're specifically not going to be at the same time, and obviously the UK does have, you know, a lot of interest in this fight as well, so they're actually trying to do it even a little bit earlier than we'd think um, for the main events because, of course, ESPN's going to be you know doing Stevenson Valdez. So, considering they're, you know, as far as, like, taking place you know on the same day at least they're on different coasts and now we've been assured that they won't be at the same time so that is a really cool thing um how do you see this fight playing out um because i think it's a really interesting matchup i i I did pick uh amanda to win but i think this is gonna be a good fight what's your thoughts here uh on paper it's a it's pretty much close to a pickem for boxing anyway.
3: Yeah, I've got the same take as you, Chris, and I think you've got the right take because I'm seeing some different ones. Uh, liked the fight a lot, liked it a lot when it was signed, um, but when it was first signed, the odds makers had it about uh, a pick or very slight favorite to Taylor, and now it's gone to uh, a close but clear favorite, Sorianoff so uh you know the the money's been on her and, and I looked at it like you did too i i I look at my money looked at my money going on her early like everybody else when I saw that uh, i think that but I think it's close i 'm with you when, when people are totally counting out Taylor and seem to be doing that i i don't see it that way at all i, I look at this as uh, two two fighters who have um, really good boxing skill good good hand speed uh I think Serrano has just shown a little more top, especially for the women's game, not because the women can't relatively speaking. I mean, people are looking at it that way, but I, I really do think that's got a lot to do with the rounds. So that's kind of handicapped the women like that. So I look at Serrano as a big puncher for the women's because she's able to stop people in the, in the two-minute rounds. And uh, I've been really impressed. By her with that, and so I, I think with with her advantage in pop, and she seems I, I don't think Taylor's really slipped much, uh, I, if at all. But I, I just think uh, Serrano seems a little, oh, just a, a hair fresher, uh, looking at her her fights than Katie Taylor. To me, I, I do agree with that. Just just a hair so. I don't think this is at all an unwinnable fight for Katie Taylor uh, or or the type of fight where I would be shocked if she won. I don't look at it that way, but I just think that Serrano with that – to me, they're kind of similar skill-wise, speed-wise, but then Serrano with that pop, uh, that to me is the difference. And I don't think that means automatically she can stop her, but it's just – she's going to be putting – I just see it she's going to be putting sting on Katie Taylor – and Katie Taylor's will hit her, but I don't think she's going to be hurting her. And I think that's going to make it. It's, that's going to make the difference to me over the course of the fight. And that's why I'm also going with Sarana.
1: Okay. So now we have Stevenson and Valdez. Um, Oscar Valdez has definitely faced a lot more veteran fighters um, than Stevenson. Um, but I, when I look at this matchup, it kind of feels like if both fighters bring what they do best into the ring, you can make an argument, I don't think it's much of an argument, that they haven't faced a fighter like each other, Um, you know, skill-wise, and, and some of the stuff that, you know, as far as accurate punching, counter-punching, uh, defense, being on the move, uh, range, Just skill level with stevenson and then you know, I don't think feld has been in the ring with anyone like that But at the same time, you know if we see a bounce back feld because he has had these bounce back performances where he'll kind of fight at levels or whatever If he can really bring that body punch in He can get on the inside without taking too much damage and he can even mother stevenson Make him feel uncomfortable on the ropes work with his hand free uh, when there is a clinch, I, I think he can bring, you know, clearly this is his best opponent. I like carrying a lot, but I feel like Valdez um, is just better. So that excites me. Oh, yeah. Now on paper, you know, on paper, Shakur is the clear favorite. In fact, I saw a couple of tweets go around today of if you, if you pick Valdez by decision, it's, it's like plus. A 1,000 or plus 12? I don't know. I, I can't remember the exact number. But um, what are your thoughts on this one going in? Because we still got to fully see it with Shakur to know it 100%. And I think this is one of the fights that we can really start to to see, okay, how good is his defense? How good is his movement? How skillful is it? How accurate? Can, can he control the ring for all 12 rounds? Well, what, what do you say about this fight going into
3: it? I again, we're seeing a lot of them similarly, Chris. I, I see this one kind of like you do, um, but, but kind of breaking it down. I think you know, you know, here's something I think if, if this is a good opportunity to point it out, and I think some people take this wrong too. Um, when you're when you're evaluating a fighter, it doesn't mean you use it as your final be all end all, but it's, it's foolish, and it's not really even being honest to say that when we're evaluating a fighter, uh, we ignore common opposition and, and things like that. Like, you know, people say things like, oh, that's why you can't use triangle things, theories in boxing or, you know, things like that. Or you can't look at that when you're evaluating the fight. Well, you have to look at it. It doesn't mean it's, it's your final evaluator on the fight. And what I'm getting to, why I'm leading into it with the Valdez-Stevenson is, and, and, and this is one that I have to make an, had to make an adju- a bit of an adjustment on. Look, even though he took a horrible beating when he lost that fight, I think you do kind of have to look at now the bigger picture. That Burchelt win for Valdez, which I, like everybody else, but performance of the year, uh, knockout of the year, well, you know, he had a PED thing right after that, and Burchell just got just got stopped again. And, and here's where I think you do have to look at these. And I know how guys get beat up and worn down and stuff, but, again, it doesn't mean you totally make your decision on it, but you have to look at it. Like, you know, and I look at it myself. Like So, you know, I was kind of valuing Burchell a lot on what he did to Francisco Vargas and you know, Francisco Vargas turned out to be a real limited brawler. and Now he's thirty seven now, but you know, the the wheels the wheels really came off and and you know look looking back now in, in hindsight, some people were pointing this out, but I wasn't taking it serious enough myself. You know, going into Burchell Valdez, Burchell statistically was like the worst, the worst defensive ranked fighter in boxing, you know, on, on, on punch stats. Sometimes the punch stats help. So, and there were some people who had knowledge that were telling me that going into, you know, Burchelt and Valdez, like, Hey, you know, John, this, this dude, this dude just gets hit all the time. And and, I mean, I knew he got hit a lot, but you know, sometimes he would kind of pull out and, and use the jab a little bit and stay outside a little more. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, maybe he was able to do more things. But the, the, what I'm getting to is feel for the guy. You know, it's, a, it's the roughest sport like we always get back to. But, you know, Burchell turned out to be just, you know, the, the high-level boxing equivalent of a punching bag. So we, we, we probably have to reevaluate that Valdez uh Performance against Perchell because we, we all can agree on this too and I and I'd be the first that I was saying it like everybody else after that after that fight not before that fight but after well look how Reynoso had Valdez boxing and and you know against Burchell and then just landing all these shots and stuff but then it didn't look that way when he when he fought in that next fight against uh, you know the, the Brazilian uh, where, where he barely escaped uh So I think Valdez's boxing skills were he fought Miguel Burchell uh, so I don't think any of that is probably gonna work against Shakur Stevenson who ne- who is another guy w- worth looking at on the Compu box because he has become out of all upper level fighters. My understanding is he gets hit the least out of anybody. He's already at that stage now. I agree with you. This is going to be the best opponent he's fought. Much better than Herring, I agree. like Herring's story and everything, but that's that's just a fact. I think Jamal Herring is just a very limited fighter. I just, I just think he is. And, and I didn't think Stevenson would have any any problem with him, and he didn't. But, you know, Valdez does bring some pop. Uh, that, that's, you know, different. Stevenson hasn't really had to deal with a guy that at least brings – the skill and pop that Valdez does. But Valdez has been boxed by some guys. He's had some trouble with some lesser guys. Uh, That's why Stevenson's a big favorite. But I think Valdez brings enough pop that he's going to probably have the cautious Stevenson out there. So I think there's a chance maybe that this fight is not really as dramatic as we might expect because I could see it where Stevenson is not getting hit, that Valdez isn't landing on him because Stevenson has that defensive skill, but Stevenson's not really opening up that much. Uh, So, you know, maybe we're not getting the punches landed we'd like to see. And then Stevenson continues in that mode but just has too much defensive skill for Valdez and he's just not getting hit. And he's he's landing more, and he to a decision. But Valdez will be the most dangerous fighter he's fought by far. I agree with you. See, and that is what I want to see too. I think Stevenson can do it. He's convinced me of his defense. It's just his his offense, even to in his very early fights, it, the offense isn't always there. Uh, I just thought you know Herring just wasn't really that much of a threat to him. But I, I gave him credit for the way he took care of business. I think Valdez will probably have him more cautious and he won't open up like that. So I think he'll probably land just enough to, to win the majority of the rounds and, and legitimately take a decision. But I, I don't think Valdez is going to hit him much. I think Stevenson has proven that, that the defense is for real.
1: Yeah. I, I actually saw a tweet recently out of copy box. Um, Shakur Stevenson outlanded his opponents in the last or forty-three consecutive rounds, fifteen hundred twenty-seven to four sixty-six, uh, and hasn't has been outlanded just once in one hundred and three career rounds. Now, sure, you know yeah. we know that through seventeen fights, there's been some decent opponents in there, but nobody really on the top level beyond Herring, and you know he's right on the cusp of you know being top level, but um, that's, I, I, that's the whole transferring all these numbers in the eye test and all that. It is going to be nice to see him, uh, you know, in this fight. Do you think Valdez though, can actually get inside and rough him up and, 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 and you know, use the one hand free and, and put a, you know, a forearm in his neck and cause Oscar really doesn't do all that stuff that much, to be honest with you.
0: No, he's
3: not really exactly that style, and, and he's got he's got pop, he all you know. You know but, but, but but he's not. He's not. But he's not a. He's not. He's not a, a thunderous puncher either. You know, he, yeah. he's got right. He's got pop. He's not a thunderous puncher either, and he get he get normally gets hit. I, I think it's just the the Burchell performances has ended up being a little bit deceptive. It and I'm it. It isn't hindsight for me. There were some people who were knowledgeable out there who were who were saying, you know, Burchell just, just gets hit too much. And, and that, that did end up being the case. So I, I had to reevaluate a little bit there. So I, I just, I, I think Valdez is probably going to have trouble landing on Stevenson. But I will say this, I mean, if he does penetrate some, let, let's say at least some of that skill level that he showed against Burchell, even though Stevenson's literally the exact opposite type of fighter, somehow a little bit of it gets through. I mean, he's got some pop, and Stevenson really hasn't faced that for the most part, so that's where I think it could go in Valdez's favor. In other words, if he's just able to hit him some, uh, you know, Stevenson doesn't get hit much as it is, but he, he certainly hasn't been hit by a guy who has the pop of Valdez. I could see then maybe that turning it around and and getting Stevenson not throwing at all. I mean, in other words, from not throwing much to not throwing at all, that would be where I see Valdez kind of get a chance. But I think Stevenson's kind of showing he's going to be this elite defensive fighter, and it's probably going to carry over. So I think that Valdez is not going to be landing anything significantly. And then as long as Stevenson moves his hands enough, he – cruises his way to a decision the only jeopardy he he would put himself in is if he just doesn't throw and and, you know you look at even his early fights I mean he he has some some times where he does do that where you know he's just defending and he's just not throwing He, he can't you know he can't do that for like six seven rounds against Valdez I mean then he's gonna give him a chance to get into the fight as long as he's throwing enough consistently over the course of the 12 rounds I don't think Valdez will be hitting him, and I think he'll take the decision. And I think that's the way the fight's going to go. I mean, my money on this one is Stevenson's too big of a favorite. If you're looking at a gambling perspective to play, I, I do think Valdez has got enough talent that I, I don't want. I don't like that Stevenson minus five fifty. I wouldn't. I wouldn't risk that. But I saw Stevenson decision at my, minus one sixty five. Uh, I don't like. I'm, I don't like props, but lately there there have been some interesting props that are the best bets. uh like last year sure. fury ko uh, i think one six i think minus 165 on stevenson that's a pretty good play because he's not going to get hit but he's probably not going to open up enough to stop Valdez. so
4: um not that he
3: couldn't but i just don't think he will so that's probably the play there i mean I know you know, it, it is tempting people. I don't blame him for getting tempted for some stuff on Valdez because the odds are getting so high. But um, yeah. I still think Stevenson's going to win. So uh, Stevenson's Stevenson decision minus 165 looks reasonable to me.
1: Yeah, and Valdez, although he'll swing for the fences and he'll exchange with you and all that, he actually fights minorly at a range more than people think. Um, yeah, so, I agree. You know what I mean? And he'll circle and, yeah, got, you know, got, try to,
3: you know. He, he's got more amateur career than most Mexican yes. fighters have. He's a little bit different mm-hmm. than the typical stereotype. And you see it. So, right. He's not a, yeah. He, he
1: blends not, it in
3: there. Right. He, he, he does do some more classical type boxing and things like that at, at, at times. But, but he has, as his opposition has, has gone up, and his his kind of big step up was like the Burchelt fight, which you know you look at. Well, he, he passed the flying colors, but I just think he, I just think we we probably need to reevaluate that one a little bit. I mean, Burchelt just just takes too many he just takes too many right. shots, and uh, it just might not quite be. You have to do that to the guy after the fact. Although he did have PED problem after that too, so that's on him. Um, yeah, you know it, it just. It's not looking, in hindsight, it's not looking like the great victory it was at the time. And the funny thing about it is the guy the guy that took out Burchell last time was where myself and everybody else was at it, boxing for the distance, and Stevenson said after mm-hmm. the fight, this dude's stronger and has more pop than you people think. And I couldn't believe it right. when he took out Burchell sure and said, and I'll, I'll be darned no. if Corey Stevenson wasn't wasn't telling
1: the truth yeah and when you look at how many times that guy was able to land on him it's just insane like he was barely able to land on him but he's like nah dude i'm not i'm gonna win this fight and i'm gonna look good i'm gonna do it i'm gonna look good coming out of the ring but you know i'm gonna win it uh the way i think i should that is a good point any other items that you'd like to address since the last time you've been on any kind of uh you know some fight news that got your uh you know, got your attention or this MTK fallout, you know, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen to these fighters. And also how, I talked about this with Jake too earlier, how many fights were made because of this extra cash that's not going to be there and moving forward, how, how will that affect some uh, promotional outfits uh, that in fighters that kind of relied on this money to be able to like, all right, now everybody's happy. We can make this fight. But any other items that you want to talk about?
3: Well, just yet, I mean, the Kinnahan and the MTK story are really big. Should be getting even more coverage. You know, I've been trying to retweet a lot of it because it is great journalism. I mean, the the Irish papers are actually doing a great job of reporting on it. They seem to get the story, and uh, they're doing a great job. So I would tell anybody to keep following that. But, yeah, I mean, it's huge. You've got you basically got an organized criminal enterprise. Now it really broke when you know you had the U.S. Department of the Treasury putting out a bulletin and and sanctions, and then you know you have the UAB freezing assets. So I mean, let's face it, we're we're talking about straight out criminals here. I mean, I, it was hard to believe that some of these people then were a minority, but we're still trying to make excuses and justify doing business with these guys. And I'm not saying every single person knew, but some of them knew and, and, and maybe most of them knew. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a big story. I mean, you know, even though boxing doesn't have the greatest history with these types of things, you know, for the year 2022, for something to get involved this deep and look, you know, I mean, you had, the the president of the WBC meeting with these guys in Dubai, I mean, yeah that that was that was just a coincidence and and nothing to see there. I mean, you know, come on, you know you know what these alphabets are like to to begin with, and and then to have you know direct contact like that. I mean, this is this is the kind of thing you're dealing with, and this is why you got to get. I agree with the people that have said it. I think the Boxing News in the UK said it. I mean. This is where you gotta get a real organization. You know, you can't be referring to these crooked alphabet organizations for oversight. That's a it's absurd. You've got to you know, it's not easy, you don't know exactly how it happens, but even though boxing is always the outlier, it does exist in, in other sports, you know, even though it's not perfect. I mean, the World Cup gets organized every four years. Um doesn't mean that there's never been problems with you know, FIFA, the World Cup, but
0: you yeah. know, other examples. Again,
3: doesn't mean they're perfect, but there's an Olympics every four years. Uh, again, we know all the problems, but point is, you know, things can be organized under a governing under a real governing body. I mean it is is as brutally tough as it might be, it it can happen and you know that that's what you that's really what you do need in in you know professional boxing you know so when when these criminal elements get involved uh you know it's 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 just of course it's of course it's a bad thing and and the reporting definitely needs to be out there and it needs to go deep,
1: yeah, no doubt about it, like you said they've definitely done it, and you know a lot of people now all of a sudden the u s have you know jumped on it. But they were real hush-hush, but they didn't mind, uh, you know, alleging that uh, Al Heyman's investors, that he, he Ponzi-schemed the investors, you know, for that for the PBC and all that. They were okay with saying all sorts of stuff about that, but they were real hush-hush until now. Um, and, of course, I'm not talking about a Jake Donovan from Boxing Scene or Eidink or anything like that, but it is kind of funny how uh, both sides were dealt with uh, or, or spoken of,
3: uh, you know, so freely
1: in oh, one way
3: absurd and and and, and you know Wad, Waddle and Reed that that's just a legitimate investment fund. I mean, right? You know, they they invest. Like how is that? In, how would that even be DC? a Ponzi
1: scheme? He's not. <laughs> he's not. You know, that doesn't even make sense. It's like that fund was at like over thirty billion dollars, but but Al Ponzi scheme them like that just doesn't even line up. With actual, I mean,
3: they invested. That's not even a Ponzi uh, You know, they they invested in Formula One. They invested in all kinds of right. different things like stuff. that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it was just an inv- It was just an invest. It's just investment that they just investment that they made. You know, I mean, right. uh, yeah. That, no, it's, it's crazy. The the attacks. I'm with. Uh, I'm. Well, I, well, of course, we can't say everybody. Uh, But I'm with you and and the people who said you know these Heyman attacks and these PBC attacks were crazy. I mean, just you know. Now look, I've criticized PBC where I liked what they were doing, and then when they when they started shifting and they started embracing like the WBC, you know, the Alphabets. I mean, you know, I know why they did it, but I wish they would have held out there. I didn't like that. You know, some people are criticizing them for the exact opposite. Like, Oh, why do not you mention the WBO? And you know, why don't you have your, you know, the alphabet's on your broadcast. That's wrong. I mean, that that was a head scratcher to me. I thought they had it exactly right. And and they kept with that for at least a year. Um, I just wish they would have stuck with that. I mean, I I think try to try to find a way to do it without doing business with these people. Um, But you know, other than that, I mean, I think you know, hey, I was with Dana White when he was, you know, praising Al Heyman just for the right reasons. I mean, whether you, whether yeah. you like Dana White or hate him, look, somebody needed to do this in boxing. You know, somebody needed to try to put things together, get it back on network TV more, and and that jump started things. I, I think, you know, if you're being fair to Al Heyman at PBC, I mean, you go back to like 2015 that that got things jump jump started. Now we're probably running into even though there's some good fights, a possible crisis period where, you know, are you getting back to running too many pay-per-views, all entities? And, you know, we already saw pre-2015 that that model's not sustainable. It's really not. Um, Because you just catch too many fights where there's not enough exposure. And then the pay-per-view numbers start to drop too low. And then, you know, things start to shrivel and that that's where we were around yeah. 2015. You know, uh, you know, you had, of course, right before that, you had the huge Pacquiao Mayweather, but that was just, you know, a kind of a culmination of the last two guys who really could, 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 you know, bring, bring the pay-per-view numbers like that, or Mayweather did it with McGregor. Uh, so, you know, obviously he was the main part of that, but, uh, You know that could really do that, and you just didn't have anybody else, and and things had to be rebuilt. Like you know, Heyman was basically saying with PBC, and went out and did you know started working on that. Uh, But you got to remember why we had that problem going back six, seven years, and too many pay per views. So uh, let's tone down the The bottom line. Tone down the pay per views.
1: Yeah, well that's true. But the bottom line is just if there's a time to be critical, be critical. But don't pick and choose when to be critical because it's so obvious, you know what I mean, just like when we talk about the sanctions, oh, you know one it day is. it's the wretched, one day I'm working with you know it's like, well, which one is it guys let's let's try to uh let's try
4: to straighten'
3: because this is why they hated him because he's with p b c most of these people i mean look at the look at how calm. you got to say it because look, everybody can be wrong, but this was. This was ridiculously wrong. Look at these people that were trying to say Dillian White was a more formidable opponent than Deontay Wilder, and Wilder was a fraud. I mean, mm-hmm. Wilder just came off fight of the year with Tyson Fury, where he was in it right to the end, dropped the guy twice, as much drama as you'll see in almost any heavyweight fight. And then you had Dillian White, just a, just a complete crude flop, who didn't do anything with with fury and you had people who hated and they heyman made an excuse up too yeah they hated it's heyman and bbc like they, they, they were saying wilder was a fraud that that was an inferior fighter think how comical this is now a week later was an yeah. inferior fighter to Dillian white i mean
1: yeah he's ducking on. him he's ducking white,
3: yeah. <laughs> he's ducking white. right there, he's ducking white i mean the, the people that were saying last Saturday night after Fury white that Wilder or that Wilder would have gotten white out in the first round or probably correct. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. First right hand.
3: <laughs> right, I mean, He's much faster than him. You know, exactly. You know, would would be very easy for him to immediately ran, land a right hand bomb on Billy and white,
1: but either way, it's funny because I've been doing this podcast since 2009 with a variety of other people. And, uh, you know, we really we really never talked about much of the politics of the sport. We never really addressed the media much until the Cold War with HBO Showtime started coming up, and that was really Mayweather-Pacquiao, Al Heyman-Bob. You know, it was, it was a lot of that stuff. But once Golden Boy and Oscar went from Showtime back to HBO, and then the PBC came along – that's when all of a sudden you started going, huh? Really? So that that so you're going to be critical here on this fight, but then you're going to you know and that and that's really the only reason why we bring this stuff up is because it's so in our face, and then we've had time to reflect on well, the PBC was dead in 2018. They got a network deal. Uh, he's a Ponzi schemer. Actually, there's a, a a head of an alleged Irish, you know. Uh, group that, that's completely you know, a, a criminal organization, allegedly. So, it's just, well, not really allegedly anymore. So, it's just kind of like, man, so you, you were really strong in your statements here, but you haven't said a, a some people haven't even said a word still, but it, it's, some of them, it's some just, of just said, clear clear... Nothing. nothing. And some imagine if nothing. this, imagine if the PBC... Was linked to a a, a car, the Mexican cartel or something? I mean, just imagine, imagine what our that? timelines would be right now.
3: Unbelievable, right? And there's some people who have said nothing about this still. Well,
1: it's crazy. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, finding the time just to sneak in here. I know you're a busy guy. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you next week.
3: All right, Chris. Thanks for having me as always. Enjoy the fight yourself, and I'll talk to you next week.
1: Yes, sir. Take it easy. Take it. Bye. All righty. Um not sure if Portland Portland's probably busy. I messaged him twice, so um but yeah, I did do my predictions, correct? Stevenson by I got Serrano in Stevenson by decision. Um yeah that that was a that's a crazy stat of uh, of Shakur that is a crazy stat and I want to see if that does translate you know I saw this tweet from Eduardo Camarena. or Camarina um this is what I don't know exactly if this is 100 uh, percent factual but I just saw the tweet and of course you know boxing Twitter. Twitter in general. Oh, it's not a fact? Yeah, I'll take it. No, but it's kind of interesting. So it said the fight between Oscar and uh, Stevenson will be the 259th world title um, fight between Mexicans and Americans. Mexico has won 125 in 68 knockouts. The United States has won 123 in 62 knockouts. There's been seven ties, um, two no decisions, In one no contest, who wins? So 125 to 123 is what this is. Now, like I said, I haven't backed this thing up, so I don't know, you know. But, uh, like, I haven't went and done the research. And I got news for you. Uh, I'm going to not go through the whole list or anything. Or, you know, I'm I'm not going to be able to track all that shit. But I'm going to see if anyone else has uh, mentioned that, too. But that's pretty interesting. That's pretty interesting. Um. Imagine Fury Imagine Fury vacates the WBC And the lineal And actually retires Then Wilder comes back Fights for the WBC and wins And then Wilder ducks Usyk for Undisputed It's like he, just, he fought Fury three times And people keep still saying he's going to duck Still can't believe Dillian White Waited 42,000 days to come out of Southpaw And land just 20 Nine punches in six rounds. Just the baffling game plan and worse execution. Yeah, that was a little funky. Oh, here's another one that just doesn't have anything to do with Wilder, but it does have to do with just ignorance on Twitter. If Tyson Fury doesn't fight Usyk or Joshua, rematch winner, he's scared, point blank, period. You can't debate that shit. Why you don't want to fight the winner, but you want to fight the Francis guy. Francis has three losses, never boxed, makes sense. Make it make sense, He's a, he'd be a coward. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, so you think he's afraid to fight Anthony Joshua or Usyk? Come on, man. Uh, can Fury make $30 million to fight Usyk? This is J-Bro. He says, not sure. If some of you haven't heard the news, but uh, Fury was getting paid by a guy whose account is frozen now, money might not be there for that fight, and that kind of plays into what we were talking about. So Fury land oh uh, here here's a here's a fanboy. Probably AJ fanboy or something. So Fury lands a hellish shot and yes White is hurt, but then Fugan, <laughs> Fury shoves the shit out of him and that scores a knockdown? It's like, did you see him go down, dude? Did you see his body going down? He was basically out before he hit the, the deck. Um, over the course of eight days, boxing will have had a stadium shows doing close to 40,000 and 100,000 in the traditional glamour divisions. For both had some folks, oh, for both had some folks on here furiously typing about where is the buzz? Social media isn't reality. No kidding. This fight has no buzz, in the, you know. Well, I mean, it has ninety-four thousand people at it, so my guess is it's got it. Um, a lot of people in boxing looking real stupid right now, especially those who laughed at people for caring about a story, or that it had nothing to do with boxing. A week after Kinahan gets sanctioned, and MT closes up shop. Yeah, that is kind of funny how that works. Uh, it's striking that for years, boxing media had cuddled guys in positions like Bob Yalen, so much so that. He was voted into the Boxing Hall of Fame this year by the writers. One week of scrutiny from the mainstream press, and he quits. Because he just quit the MTK, which obviously, you know, obviously we know we know why. Uh, um, okay, here we go. Okay, so Portland is ready. He's ready whenever. All right, we're going to go out to Portland, 503 host sway I'm guessing I know who he's going for best in best – both fights. But let's head out to Portland and we'll close down the show with this and maybe a little boxing Twitter and we'll get out of here. 503 Portland, man. What's going on, man? Can't wait to see these big fights.
4: Hey, yo, 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 what up, what up, Chris, hell yeah, brother, you already know who the hell I'm going for, and it's fucking fight week, bro, hell yeah, man, I've never been this excited, this is a tough fight for my my guy, Shakur, bro, you know what it is, you know, man, man, this is, this is, this is a good fight, man, but how you doing, Chris, how's everything, brother? I'm doing good man. I'm doing good. I'm I'm really excited for this weekend. Hell yeah, bro, man. I mean, uh the, the Amanda Serrano fight, uh the return of Jesse Vargas, uh, you know, there's some good fights this weekend, man, no kidding, man. And uh but yeah, let's uh um, let's uh let's get started. Uh uh Yeah, let's uh let's get started here. Uh so I want to start off with the, the oh first uh what's it called uh Tyson Fury right we he had a, he was over the weekend I didn't like I said I, I I wasn't I didn't really stay tuned to this fight it was uh uh I would have bought it if it was a better opponent you know what I mean it, in all honesty I am not one of these uh big uh Adelian uh, White fan at all like I'm not willing to um, kind of pay for a pay-per-view of his but uh you know uh I you know the, they was saying the, a lot of people would up from what I heard the the uh undercard wasn't as great um, the pay-per-view was good. Uh, the crowd the uh, the stadium there was a hell of people there. The, the English were alive. Uh, uh, what's his name? De- what's his, uh, Tyson Fury had, you know, he got an uppercut and and also too man that push. Um, you know, I think it was a like you know as a push uh, that that got the knockdown, in my opinion. And and uh, in, in all honesty too, I felt like maybe uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Dillian White kind of felt like he didn't he didn't need to get up and, you know what I mean, and really fight. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I, don't, I, I hate to say that, but, like, I just felt like maybe he – he. I don't know. Just, there was something, like, he kind of laid out flat, you know, and I don't know, when you – when you when people do things like that, it's kind of just I don't know, just it, it looks a little fishy to me. Where he, I'm not saying the fight is fixed or anything like that, but I, what I'm saying is that I just think he kind of called it. He called it a day right there. You know, that's that's what I'm saying. And um, I, I felt like he he could have still continued. He I, I felt like he played it off, and um, you know, I just you, felt like you because if you see that, uppercut- you think he fake no, like, stumbled. like like yeah, like fake stumbled. Yeah, like he was just kind of like you know, I'm just gonna play it off. You know, like. Uh, that, that's just, that's my take because I saw that uppercut and when he when he got hit with it, it looked like he was still going to stay on his feet and then boom and you know he got he pushed him. I thought the push looked a lot worse than the punch, um, you know, because it kind of it, that's just my opinion uh, from from seeing it. You know, I mean, I I could definitely be wrong. Uh, he didn't so hit that, his that's head. That's just my though. opinion about it. What's up? He didn't hit his head on the canvas. No see that's that's one thing too like he kind of caught it, i don't know he kind of that felt like he caught his ball with his shoulder, you know like uh in a right. way uh he, he you know what i mean uh, so it's just I'm not saying the fight is fixed, i just think he i just think he he knew he was like you know what this is this is good enough right here so but uh but man, uh, shout out, man, I heard uh Tyson Fury made a lot of money for that fight, so uh man big uh big ups to him, and uh you know what uh for me i I hope he doesn't call it quits uh I heard he he did uh, uh, kind of retired there after that fight. Uh, uh, you know, I'm hoping he didn't. But uh, the the fight that I really want to see after this one is the Usyk fight. Uh, the winner of Usyk, uh, Joshua. If uh, uh, you know when that happens. Uh, so uh, you know that's, that's just my take. Um, you know, there's that fun fight uh, that uh, that USC guy, the the, the heavyweight guy, Ganu. Um, you know, that that's a fun fight. I wouldn't mind that you know what? If that was this if that was that night I actually would have bought it, you know, in all honesty, because that's kind of a just kind of a, you know, circus, you know, see what's up, you know. Uh kind of a good fight, you know, like we'll see what happens, you know. I mean that that's just my opinion. Um, if it was that night I would have bought it, you know. Um but uh if if you know, to, to me that is a fun fight, uh Iganu. Uh but I, I feel like Tyson Perry eats like you know, eats them, you know what I mean? Like it that dude won't last uh, a while uh probably, you know he he not go all 12 i think in my opinion um so yeah, but he yeah he punches just too uh, wide he'll get too caught wide
1: quick in,
4: in, I, yeah and he's too like uh he doesn't he doesn't I, obviously he's a heavy puncher i'm no, no doubt about that but i just the, the fundamentals aren't there you know and i mean who's better than the fundamentals in Exactly. Superior, man? you know what i mean so um uh but yeah uh, as far as that tai Superior gets his win big win um shout out to him hopefully um you know hopefully you know he stays positive and um and and doesn't uh you know retire i think you know him staying in boxing is probably uh good for his mental health um you know he always talks about yeah, that true. so um you know what i mean so shout, out to, shout out to taxi Fairy, man, uh you know the the king of the heavyweights the king the king right now you know what I mean, of the heavyweights so yeah bro that, the for the real man king, that dude. the gypsy king that's right <laughs> but also man um let's get into this uh this weekend's fights uh Taylor, uh, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, this is a good fight. And, yo, yo, Chris, I had a question, man. I wonder, do you know uh, if, if uh, I don't know, but uh, do you know if Amanda Serrano will be fighting in her usual Jordan, I believe, uh, Jordan shoes, and will that be a factor in this fight?
1: Um, I think so, but I don't know for sure. I, I don't know. I, okay. I don't want to say it e- either way. That's a good point, yeah. but, no, I don't. I think so, but I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you one. Yeah, cuz those shoes
4: are, I I I you know those shoes are stiff as hell, especially for like, you know, for a, for a fight, you know, you thought I don't know, man, that's just my take. I I mean, obviously Amanda knows better than everybody, you know. She's obviously fought in those shoes for a while, but I mean, this is such a huge fight, you know, but I uh, I don't know, man, you know, I'm just that that's one little thing I uh, just had a, wanted to mention, but uh but yeah, this uh Katie Taylor, Amanda I just feel uh uh Amanda will put that pressure um and uh you uh, you know I, I like i said before, I wish this was uh, 12 twelve three minute rounds uh, that would have been so sick if this is the historical fight that uh that broke grounds for uh, all women out there in, in uh, boxing um but you know I'll take this one I'll take the you know the the ten rounds two minute rounds you know so uh uh but yeah this this is for uh this is this is a good fight I i believe like i said amanda will'll put the pressure on her um i I do believe I just feel like Katie might, uh, she will crumble. In my opinion, I got a feeling about that. But she is a tough girl, man. I mean, that girl's tougher. But I just feel like Amanda, this is her night, especially what this is. This is in New York, her, you know, her city, uh, you know. So I think this is going to definitely rowdy her up, uh, and also too, man. I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan, but shout out to. Uh, what, what's the name paul jake paul for getting this fight you know done because you know with uh with the last promoter that she had it, yeah. for some reason it couldn't get made uh-huh. and uh but but also uh but shout out to eddie hearns too man uh you know this is a big night for him he always puts his you know eddie hearns doesn't have a good track record when it comes to his fighters you know like they always seem to lose like uh like some of the big fights you know so uh uh, but shout out to, to him. You know, hopefully this night uh, is good for everybody. And also, uh, I, I love this, uh, the co-main event, Jesse Vargas, Liam Smith, this is good. This is a sick-ass yeah. uh, junior middleweight fight. So 10 rounds, man, let's see what Jesse Vargas is. And I believe Jesse Vargas hasn't fought since uh, Mikey Garcia, I want, to, I want to believe, right? I haven't checked his box track, but has he fought since Mikey?
1: Um, I feel like he's fought one more time. Let me let me let me check actually. I feel like he's fought one yeah. more time, but maybe you're right. But yeah, yeah no, you're like right he kinda went Yeah, in a he fought. Yep. yeah right. So it's been over two years. Yeah, man. So it's like he said that's a huge or but two months. Yeah.
4: Huge. Huge hiatus, man. This is so uh, I'm rooting for the kid, you know, was that new weight class. In Smith spot yeah, twice dude.
1: last year. So
4: Oh man. I mean, talk about momentum right point. there, man! Holy crap! I mean, that's that's better than you know than Jesse's. Uh, so uh, you know, you know, this is gonna be a good fight. I, I like this fight. I,
3: I, um,
4: you know, yeah, I'm rooting for my boy Jesse Vargas. Like I said earlier too, uh, this is at a, uh, at a new weight class as well, junior middleweights, man. Um, told, yeah, so this, this is this is sick, man, and. Uh, yeah. Um, I can't wait for that one. That that was gonna be dope. So and also too, Chris. Before uh, did is it? I can't remember, but did they did Bob in the? I'm not sure, but did did did, did Bob uh, Bob Arum and the Zone have like a a mutual uh, understanding of like uh, uh, kind of respecting each other's main events? Like w- which one of them is gonna go beyond be first. Like, is that still going on? Cause I remember something like that going on yeah, the, the, at the, the beginning where they were talking about that. They wouldn't overlap each other or have them, no, they uh, are, you know, yeah, yeah, during the same not time. Gonna, yeah.
1: they, they, in oh, fact, okay. also because the UK and Ireland are so interested in this fight, they were going to go early anyway, like earlier than we're <laughs> used to anyway. But yeah, they're going to make, they made it for sure that they're not going to go head to head. I think there's going to be an hour nice. layover. So yeah,
4: they oh, okay, are definitely sweet, not man.
1: going head to head.
4: Hell yeah, man. See, that's what it's about, man. Let's, you know, even though they're different promoters, different networks. You know, like that's actually pretty cool because sometimes, man, like there was that other weekend with the with the Lubin week, uh, Lubin's uh, Sebastian Pandora. Like all of that shit was at the same time, and geez, you had to you really had to pick which one you wanted to watch. And and also, man, and um yeah. but yeah, man, I made a mis- I made the mistake of watching the the, the Garcia fight, man, because I had to watch the uh, the Lubin fight at the replay. But uh, but man, uh, like I said, uh, that's cool. That's cool that these guys that uh, that's happening. That yeah. you know both fights will be. On different times, so we could catch both of them. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. And also, shout out to Branchon uh, Cruz Uh You know, I heard she's fighting, so it's a title fight. Hopefully, she gets the win. I know. Yeah, I know it's she a close had a fight, fight uh... too. This
1: is kind oh, of this a, is a close fight? for both of them. Yeah, on paper, oh, okay. it's a very close fight. Uh, it's like, pretty close to a pick'em fight. Her uh, oh, okay. her opponent's like a plus one thirty. Which is really, really close. So yeah, that could be a good fight. Both of them are kind of like they fought some fights that have kind of tested them, but this is, I think, both yeah. their their biggest test. This that should be a good
4: fight too. Okay. Yeah, man, this that this is definitely a stay tuned fight because I've seen, uh, Francia and Cruz. Uh, you know, she brings it all the time. She fights like rugged. You know what I mean? So she's she's definitely tough. And uh, but yeah, man, this is, this is a good card, the the zone card, and also too. Man, I I I can't get out of here without talking about it. Yo, this is this is for all the marbles right here. This is what everybody was talking about uh Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson, uh 12 rounds, WBO belt, WBC belt on the line, man. Uh this is this is sick. Like I said, this is dangerous for uh I would say dangerous for both men just uh Oscar Valdez coming in with experience, you know, he he's definitely coming in there with a punch Shakur Stevenson coming in with a slick style boxing, you know, pure boxer. um, You know that's very dangerous as well. Can this, you know, Shakur still is young? Uh, Can he out? You know, a lot of people are picking him. I see a lot of people. I mean, mostly everybody is picking Shakur Stevenson. But you already know, I got my guy, Oscar Valdez. You already know, Mexico, all day, every day. So you know, that's the that's who I'm going for. But I can't say this is not a tough fight for Oscar. Um I'm going to give a bold prediction Chris. Um I got Oscar Valdez 11th round TKO. That's what I got Ooh. for this this weekend's this weekend's uh pick right there man. I got my boy Oscar twelve eleventh 11th round TKO putting him away. you know what I mean clear clear stoppage that's what I got man. And uh man shout out to also That'd shout out huge. to Eddie Reynoso I know. uh shout out to Eddie Reynoso. He's in you know what I mean the trainer. Uh, and also, too, man, We next weekend is more lit because, well, we got Canne- Canelo uh, coming back against Bibble, which is a huge fight. Um, and also, a shout out to Canelo for not charging way too much, like a, like a $75 pay-per-view. I, I saw that at $60. So, you know, as a fan, I'm happy for that little, you know, breathing room there. So, um, but yeah. But well, you man, have to and, be, um, a yeah,
1: you gotta be a zone subscriber. You got to be a zone subscriber to get that price, So
4: I think oh, it's okay. worth it just to get okay, that price.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, okay, if, I not know if that. If yeah, you don't do it on the zone, it's just normal price.
4: Oh, okay. Because yeah, because I got the, I already, I got the year subscription, so hopefully, you know, I got no hiccups with that. Yeah, too. you'll so, get. The uh, um, sure. Cool, man. And uh, but yeah, man. Uh, but as far as that, uh, yeah, I don't have too much to say. It's uh, you know, uh, like I said before, my my uh, my prediction: Valdez eleventh round TKO. No, no questions. You know. And uh, you know, and Valdez stays undefeated. So, but yeah, man. But uh, but Chris, thank you for having me on. Shout out to the Ropa Dope Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones.
1: There we have it. There we have it. Thanks as always for tuning in, calling in. Whatever you you know, sometimes you're busy at work doing your thing, and uh, I always appreciate you uh, calling in. Um. So just a couple more. Actually, someone. Oh yeah, there, during the week uh there were the way they did the the press conferences for for Fury and White. Obviously the Kinahan thing they didn't really want to discuss much and uh so I think during one of the one of the press conferences or Q&A whatever, uh you had to basically, you know, message uh Evan Corn, the the PR for for, for top rank and um, basically um, Tom Cody's uh, I think he retweeted this or maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was Gareth Davies. Uh, he said, uh, yeah, I think Cody retweeted it. I think anyway, he said it wasn't the promoters who blocked questions about Daniel Kinahan today. It was a specific person named Evan Corn. So he's the media relations guy. Um, and Fred added to this tweet. That's why I read it. That's the same Evan Cord who snickered when Steve Kim would slander Al Heyman, the PBC top rank spent over a decade pushing the narrative that Heyman was doing illegal stuff when there was the, when they were the ones who working gleefully with a drug cartel. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works. Here's another one. Lefty big shouts out to lefty and chicken talk, by the way, um, at one time, or, And one thing I learned through the years of Floyd Mayweather stuff is, if you focus on one fight, you're going to miss a lot of good fights. That's why when people complain the best ain't fighting the best, I run down the list of one through four ranked in each division that are fighting each other. And then someone on top of him, in Twitter, Twitter sphere anyway, he said, facts, I said that when people complained about Spence Ugas because they only wanted Bud. Floyd and Manny also proved that sometimes your dream fight isn't always the best matchup. Fans need to complain less and appreciate more. Obviously when there's good fights, it's not about you can't complain at all, but um, yeah. And then here's another one. Adam says young fighter, like bam fighting Quattro's and then rung beside back to back. That's big boy stuff. That is huge. Bam Rodriguez could have just, you know, sat pretty with that Quadros win, especially how damn pretty it was and effective, and he showed so much skill in that ring and power and everything, uh, but he could have just went back to his normal weight class and marinated a little bit. Nope, he's going with side. These two were supposed to fight each other. He's going to fight both of them, um, and for a young fighter, that is a big deal. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend. We are. We got a stretch run. You know, this weekend, like Josue said, Canelo Bibble, then Castaño, and Charlo rematch. Like, the shit just keeps coming. So we'll get out of here for now. We'll catch you next week. Peace.
3: Once you become the world champion, I believe that.